Hello? Fantastic. We did it. Couldn't decide on runic sign, like love, metal, <laughs> joy. <laughs> That's awesome. Excellent. Okay, I have my video. It should be ready. Hang on. Fun. Can you? Okay, so am I like right here? Is this on the right side of the screen or the left side? My hand. That on that is on my right. That is right. on my okay. right. Yeah. Good. You're fine. No worries. Um. So I'm. Let's. Where to begin? Thank you for being who you are and doing what you do. Biggie, big, big. All right. <laughs> you sit with that now. Um, at the very end of your incredibly beautiful second part of, I, of what I hope will be infinite parts of your William Blake Treacy's analysis, insanely enhancing and, and um, additive, compulsory, mandatory for anyone listening. It's If you haven't viewed and experienced this, imagine, you know, the special features of the Lord of the Rings is there's the appendices. It's like you haven't fully appreciated Devil May Cry 5, especially if you haven't jumped into um i'm calling you b3 because i have a conspiracy that you shut down e3 and <laughs> it's easier to say than biggie big big even though i love biggie big big um uh-huh. and so your plans your demonic plans have been brought to fruition e3 yes. is cancelled replaced by b3 i've done it <laughs> you have done it beware <laughs> beware but no i'm not letting you get off that easy um this woman you a, a kindred spirit seriously across the waves such a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show of what I also hope will be many episodes for sure. So with all of that said, B3, how are you doing? How does the day go? I'm all right. Um, I actually want to start with like a quick story um, Uh because something I noticed was that every single time I try to create a piece of Devil May Cry content, something terrible happens to me. And so like, I actually, I created a mini version of the current analysis that I have up and it's like from... Uh, a year and a half or so ago. And it was the Mm -hmm. original video I made on his poems. And that time I actually had the worst migraine of my life. Right. Like it was like pounding, like extremely excruciating. I just like didn't know where it came from because I don't really get migraines either. It just happened out of nowhere. Interference from the infernal realm. I know it's like, <laughs> it's like Virgil and yours and don't want to be exposed or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the recent video that I made, um, I actually was dealing with all sorts of like different, like digestive issues. And like this, all of this other stuff happened and I got sick. And now as we're recording this podcast, I've been, I've had a fever for the last couple of days. So I'm actually a little bit concerned for future okay. projects. Um, what I'm yeah, going to definitely- do. Mm -hmm. all i will say is and i'm from italy right so i have some lineage whatever the hell i'll just draw some of that sanctifying whatever insert whatever what we're going to do is and i always consider a podcast to be a ritual because it's an exchange of energies an exchange of ideas and and there's certain steps involved like pressing buttons and things so what we'll do is we're going to cleanse that throughout this whole this whole episode will serve as this sort of um expulsion ritual of um uh you know of 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 like acknowledging that first of all you all putting that in sequence and then telling the universe that you recognize my fiance i was just telling her like i got mm-hmm. sick a little bit yesterday not covid or anything but um a little similar feverish you know in, leading up to this so you and i the same thing and i sat down and i was like she was in the room but i talked to myself i was like okay you've been stressed i've i've been putting putting you through a lot you know and especially with a channel with as close to um with as like as much care and attention as you put to your videos and and i'm sure with everything with the patron everything it it, we as content creators it sort of it compacts a lot of like effort and a lot is stored in that sort of 
gray matter and, and subconscious of like, I'm just really tired. So then the immune system fails. And then the sneezes and the coughs are literally the body's version of like yelling and like, pay attention to me, like mm. heal me, <laughs> you know? That's um, so true. So what I'll say is I'm sorry, first of all, to hear you've been feeling unwell. Second of all, and also there was a bit of, as I don't know if they'll see this with the edit, but teensy bit of technical issues at the beginning as well. So yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a cosmic divine, infernal, all kinds of interesting occult, who knows what kind of energies are in the room with us as we mm. discuss this, but, uh, um, but that is trippy. And what a great way to, to begin the exchange of stories. It's like <laughs> your, your history with, um, as I call it, infernal interference, but um, hopefully, yeah, maybe let's say that we see it, we acknowledge it, but I think you've got, I think you've set yourself where it rather this beautiful path of, of literally, I just imagine like Beggy with this, like this lantern, like leading, like come follow me, like leading <laughs> these people with this enlightenment into this, as you say, it's not just a pizza jump man delivery game or whatever, like how you said at the end. Um, so many layers to be appreciated, but so there you go. Um, it's literally omnidirectional from here. So okay, uh, for sure. if, you had, if you had any riffs from that, otherwise I'm happy to keep throwing you stuff. Um, there's a lot I want to get into in terms yep. of the influential thinkers and the romantic mm -hmm. era thinkers, uh, Blake Milton, as well as like Dante a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I actually wanted to start a little bit by giving a shout out to a fellow creator. Um, his name is The Gaming Muse, if you've heard of him. Um, he makes like phenomenal uh, Silent Hill content and now some DMC stuff as well. Mm. Uh, we were actually, you know, going to talk a little bit about Dante Alighieri. Um, oh, and he has a phenomenal video on that, uh, kind of unpacking all of the different references and allusions and inspirations mm. that are built into, especially the first game. The first game, its items are all sorts of, you know, crazy yeah. stuff. Staff of Hermes, you know, mm. Melancholy Soul, Guiding Light, all of these Pride of the Lion all of these things have some rooting within Dante's Inferno. And I feel like that was like a really good, you know, step in, in unpacking that, that video. So definitely That's, shout out to that. Absolutely. And we're um, going to be signal boosting them a lot. Also, we do do the Silent Hills podcast and that is music to my ears because they're so kindred in many ways with their choice of symbolism and, and, and so beautifully. And that's very kind of you to signal boost someone else right out the gate. So Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> for sure. Um, I guess with that out of the way, um, we can kind of leave those thinkers for a little bit later in the discussion. I wanted to talk to you about like, what about Devil May Cry made you interested <laughs> in the series and like kind of got you in? I see what you're doing, turning it on me, huh? Um, <laughs> a little. Okay, no worries. I'm happy to do that. So, and that's the whole idea. I, I never really vibe with that whole interview format. It's always conversation. Mm -hmm. Conversation, not confrontation. Um uh so so as i mentioned grew up a bit in italy a couple of years there so actually literally around that extremely um you know i would say in its own way you know religious imagery is even though i would definitely side with blake on on the side of it being you know relegare you probably looked into the etymology to relegate you know relegare and and so but i was around it and that's around when i started drawing interestingly um uh like in earnest uh went to a drawing class in like a little italian village which was right out of devil may cry 2 which is why we're going to talk about the the black sheep of the group um because anytime i play devil may cry 2 i feel like i'm in my old italian village where i spent some time montefiore del lazo um 
so th that's that's like super duper early tendrils cultural and stuff but the big moment for me with devil may cry was uh, i think it was 2000 and, and i want to hear your exact story too because that's the whole idea now now it's we've begun in earnest and uh, that'll be nice to at again irregular intervals it's totally unscheduled but to, to sure. build that devil may cry chronicle devil may chronicle um it was it would it would have to have been a demo demo disc okay. and it was the melee island and it was the flowing coat and it was roughly in 2000 and back then <laughs> with the matrix movies coming out and flowing coats were a thing and dual wielding was a thing and so i accessed it from that you know your latest video talking about the transition from the um the unfallen to the fallen you know well which i also love little brackets little aside even blake is like i'm framing the innocent thing as basically pre-corruption is this corruption and pre but like the word corruption is always there the word the the notion because and i like that it means that he's 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 wise to the world and he's writing from that perspective of like that's the path for everyone is into that mm -hmm. fallen state um and that it, it infuses everything he does with such beautiful bittersweet mystic and this is my fiance i was like what's okay i'm, I'm recording now what what's one thing you want to say because she's a, she's a very literary she's like he was a mystic and he really was mm -hmm. an absolute mystic anyway tangent over um so and then and obviously even back then i was playing i was like i weirdly feel this like spirit kinship to this thing that a lot of people are saying is blah 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 shoot 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 and i was like of course i can appreciate it on that level but even back then in like the early 2000s i I knew there was more going on. And that's most certainly if you and I were um, fluent Japanese and we had a couple of those devs, well, the, eventually we do want to get you B3 on a show with Kamiya. And that's the, that's the goal um, to, to sort of explore that. And he very much dressed like Dante <laughs> as a yeah. young Japanese man, like so stylish. Um, I brought this for the recording. There you go. Okay. Keep it stylish. There you go. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um no, keep stylish. Simply, it's like a it's like motherly advice. Like keep stylish. Mm -hmm. um, so, like I said, like from the earliest, just same with Metal Gear for me. Um, just like recently with Avatar podcast, things are never just that entertainment thing for me. It, it's either paired with activism or paired with education and using games as a platform. Like I played Final Fantasy, I went to research who Shiva was, who Ifrit was, you know, and I think they function on that level. Uh, they serve to full, they serve to justify their own existence beyond recreation distraction competition on that level and your when i came across your work and i am going to make this about you because uh i see what you did it is it, it was such a heartening symptom of and especially yourself i will say i'll i'm just saying you're a younger generation like that 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 notion that um using leveraging the the internet's omnidirectional can grab any kind of knowledge from anywhere young minds really wanting to signal boost and carry that torch forward of art as you know art as education art as entertainment but also signal boosting um you know finding deeper themes i mean you've launched countless again there's what i call the silent majority they come across the b3 video uh they learn about blake they don't maybe they don't even comment or whatever but you undoubtedly with your framing and like how you kind of give a little poke to people it's like you have the attention span longer than a goldfish you know like <laughs> i i fucking love that because um it's true you need to call it out and we need to be better and and that's what i'm sensing from your channel and and i i, I only exclusively am sending like beams from australia of like 
goodwill towards you, support towards you. I was very proud to be named on that Patreon and I'll be locked in forever on that because just keep doing what you're doing, Beggy, seriously. And is it Beggy? What, what would you prefer another name or? Um, that's fine. I go Beggy? by Beggy, Beg, Beggy uh, whatever. Beg. Yeah, I do. So that's fulfilling your request for, you know, that backstory, but also had to end on that note of um, it is immensely worthwhile what you're doing. And I, I can so tell that you're getting your own enjoyment out of it. A couple of mm-hmm. things is after doing podcasting for a while, you can tell when someone's smiling when they're recording, you can hear it in their voice multiple times throughout. You're like, and see, I've made this connection and see, this is, I'm interpreting this through this um, an, an analytical lens. So, so that yeah. kind of makes me, yeah. So, but how about yourself with, with, with dmc um i have like honestly dmc onimusha and a few Mm -hmm. other games were kind of my gateway into horror after absolutely despising everything horror because um a lot of kids around me and my brother especially like he was very into horror movies he would watch like the exorcist like no problem (laughs) easy he's very into that kind of genre and those kind of films were very alluring to him and i never saw that allure and um when i was growing older i just always felt like i was outcast because every time like people wanted to watch something scary even like play a horror game whatever i would just like leave because i couldn't handle it um had nightmares like just (laughs) constantly um i wouldn't stop thinking about it and for me as i've like grown older there are a few franchises that have kind of like opened my mind to like how beautiful and amazing and profound horror really is. And uh, one of those was definitely Devil May Cry. Another one is Onimusha. And then those actually got me into Resident Evil and Resident Evil 4 was my first. Um, And Devil May Cry was also one of the very first games that I actually learned to play uh, by myself I would usually just like watch my brother like play through games like learn how to play them and then I would just kind of try to mimic what he was doing but I didn't really learn how to like play the game and experience it myself the first time and teach myself but like Devil May Cry was like one of the very first games where I felt like I actually could do that and it felt like um, at the same time it felt very expressive so like coming in on a game like this versus something that is more mechanically um and no shade to like the community or people who like these games but like souls games right yeah (laughs) i always think i always uh feel like the statement uh the statement is like very true for me i feel like devil may cry absolutely ruined anything like souls like or souls game type for me because when you give someone a that high of a level of expression in any kind of combat driven game and then you dumb it down to you know, attacking and rolling. I know there's more to the combat. There's like some parries, but they don't apply to like a lot of the bosses in Souls games. You just feel very limited. It feels very Mm -hmm. rigid. And it almost feels like it's challenging for the sake of being difficult rather than something that you could actually apply and be stylish with. And I felt like Devil May Cry was that for me. And so growing older, I kind of got into like the sequels. um, And then I got into like many other things, horror because of its gothic aesthetic and because of its many you know, just richly inspired themes, everything about the creation of the game was like very attractive um, for some reason, because at that time I was still very averse to anything horror, but it still like definitely pulled me in um, right from the get-go. And then like, um, yeah, we could talk about like two of the sequels later too, because I know you want to talk about that. Um, But that's my overall story. It was kind of like my gateway in to all those things and my gateway. That's special. Yeah, into games with like, 
that kind of combat too because mm. i also kind of liked um you know dynasty warriors Samurai oh, yes. Warriors, those kind of games those games are i i love that history um i love how onimusha and dynasty warriors and samurai warriors kind of take all of those historical figures from the respective periods and they inject it into something that you could just like play as your favorite character and just like destroy everyone just beat the crap out of people what, there's, in dynasty warriors like you move your hand like that seven people fall over it's, I know. it's just, just like little wrist movement it's and they stand in front of you waiting for you to do it they don't usually even resist yeah. they kind of just like wait for you but um yeah. anyway devil may cry was different from all of those things and as it has evolved as a series every sequel um has gotten more and more expressive save for like maybe two right um and it's just like the amount of the the caliber that you could reach as a player in a single player game is like almost like unfathomable. Like it feels <laughs> like a fighting game that you're playing like with CPUs, but it's still that interesting because everything has new links and new sequences that are to be discovered. Um, so that like that pretty much sums up my experience with like getting into it. And then like you, which I really like what you said about like uh, using it as using games as like a platform for education to have higher mm-hmm. discussions and such. Um, that is like probably what keeps me into games like nowadays the most out of anything because like yeah. of the stories that they tell. Um, and it's like Resident Evil, Onimusha, Devil May Cry. I like these games for what they are mechanically, but what I like so much more, in fact, like infinitely more is the themes and the storytelling behind them mm-hmm. and how they revive, you know, classic archetypal stories um, from various eclectic, mm. you know, backgrounds. Um, yeah. Definitely. And and I want to absolutely express that I resonate with that. Definitely. I think on some other very adjacent, close to our timeline, we probably were schoolmates. So I was like riffing <laughs> on some level there because I definitely um, find kinship in that perspective. And and for me also, what you add to to that element of um, uh, of storytelling is, and I gave a talk about this with the Melbourne International Games Week about how um, games at the highest and best when they are seeking to break as i call it that uncomfortable kind of cicada um cocoon of 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 the childlike you know only for recreation distraction competition like where it's starting to get itchy and we're hopefully starting to shed it and this is games even like five right where it, it absolutely wore its fun crazy wild past on its sleeve but then it i mean it is singularly i think it has more combined worthwhile investigatable additive educationally intriguing symbolically philosophically intellectually intriguing elements than all of the previous devil may Cry's combined mm. and and uh and what you also add to that is you know v is this rebirth you know v also the shape again i'm into symbolism we'll talk about that too when i okay. saw v's fucking tattoos i was like get the fuck out because <laughs> i i was designing that back in 05 like the the morphogenesis based sort of symbols and stuff like that when i saw that his stuff went all the way up to his neck as well i was like trippy um mm-hmm. but with uh with with that rebirth and that only two years old like if you look at the 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 team you know like after four then there was the remake so there was like it was a bit shaky ground with dmc you know and even though i do love tamim and, and crew and i'm looking forward to hellblade and everything but when five came around there was a notion of of it being not a reboot but it had energies of of rebirth to it energies of, of of second chance if you know if you catch my drift or what you were talking about mm-hmm. and an energy of rediscovering itself which blake does with his 
writings of of he's writing very beautifully and very sometimes endearingly earnestly about childhood and innocence and and simple mm. things like flowers and, and and fields and and such and uh and what i found is that it works with games especially not only you 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 connect with it more than any other medium on that empathetic level because you're actually you are the character moving around that that page doesn't turn unless it's you going in mm. and 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 being that character which again just on an unconscious level adds to that level of connection you can have with characters certainly that's why i'm advocating for eventually some kind of hybrid dmc like rpg type thing we'll talk about that later oh yeah but um so i just get that feeling that with games in particular you can bring in that meta aspect of the team themselves were like well you just get the sense that these amazingly um very interesting i want to uh, sphere hunter who is your kindred um creator uh you know oh yeah with that participation she had with some of the actually interviewing some of them which are eventually on the show down the line as well herself and, and some of these um folks from capcom is uh you get the feeling that some of these people are just these lovely quasi scholarly quasi slightly nerdy but but just oh yeah very very, very well read japanese people wanting to infuse allegory and symbolism into their work you know and i love them it it makes me love them very much you know so any riffs on that i see a lot of that being done with uh capcom's works i'm glad that you kind of made such a good segue into this because um i do a lot of analysis on like resident evils literature Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of that being put into so for example biblical references uh creatures from different mythologies folklores being incorporated into their games and such and always um a lot of their like their biggest creators their most uh vital contributors across their games actually they have larger meanings to the games in some sort of supplemental literature prequel novels they love prequel novels um, there's all sorts of stuff for DMC for Resident Evil. There's a ton. There's a couple different ones for the first game. There's even one for Resident Evil 4 that incorporates different pagan festivals and it greatly adds to the world building elements. And so DMC is like really no different. DMC, even if it doesn't have like um, you know, like separate supplement material for supplemental material for every single entry, the ones that have infused different um eclectic kind of inspirations from different various different you know authors poets and such it's just like it's so clear to see and you see like it's also in like anime you see a lot of like biblical references angels Mm -hmm. evangelion uh, satan (laughs) yeah right so like um it's it's very popular i think Mm -hmm. to work those into some kind of um larger form of like storytelling where it's not necessarily like a fully derivative game of some of another work but it's like an mm-hmm. amalgam of like a million different things which is like mm-hmm. Devil May Cry so for example like Dante's Inferno there's a game called Dante's Inferno right yeah but then but then Devil May Cry kind of pulls it it pulls from Dante's Inferno in a way that sneakily you know kind of um oh, oh, Trojan horse. sometimes yeah. but yeah it, it definitely works in those same type of mythologies and um, allusions to many of the most famous scenes of it um, mm. while also being a wacky wahoo kind of stylish <laughs> game. And that's like very impressive how, how uh, well-rounded their team is at Capcom at kind of making all of those different fronts work as a final product for anything yeah. that could, um, Well, Well, I want to say there's something maybe in, um, I didn't mean to cut off, please continue. 
Oh, no, uh, oh, that was oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Just checking, just checking. Um, so what I observed when I went there, and obviously from even the earliest, again, in 2003, I, I actually would probably have been able to just wander around, and I still can, uh, learn Japanese to, to a certain extent. And what, what you understand from the language level, Beggy, from, from the childhood level in Japan, there's a notion of, no, no, you, you, you do the thing properly. Like, you know, no, no. And that's why their streets are so clean. It's why, um, you know, uh, there's a, there's an emphasis on like, um, you know, seeing life as this path of like not nourishment of, of like learning things. And, and, uh, and also they'll go to going to pains, quote, quote unquote, even though I don't like that framing, because for me, it's like, and even infused in their cultures is, is bowing. And that is something that many cultures just don't do. Uh, but they give themselves that task. And the 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 rote, sorry, the um reductivist way is to say they make it hard for themselves. But but what I find is in giving, and Jack White from <laughs> the White Stripes talks about this, is like I actually find that putting a couple of obstacles in my way, giving myself a couple of things to do when I'm making something, it actually, it's like a cake that you're like, you're, you're actually adding a couple of ingredients at once. You're not just going straight, just doing a wham, bam, like direct adaptation or having something orbit around just one idea. That's why Final Fantasies are like tossed salads of mythical, like Persian mythology, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, so nourishing and i again any any dietitian any any physician will tell you is if you nourish, nourish yourself on a wide range of mythologies and knowledge bases then you're getting the most out of your entertainment you know so i think even in the most seemingly superficial um escapist experience and interactive uh you'll have like just under the surface is like well if you actually look up the nomenclature of that name or the etymology of that location uh then you know you're it's right there for you that that um, that that fusion infusion of of um, uh, you know deeper inquiry into other fields. It's it's so great that they that they're like, hey, even in our wacky fun escapist stuff, like we have these little seeds for you, you know, to to dive further in, and and it's it's something to be grateful for. So I'll, I'll I take it actually as a segue that you've um, would you say that you've how 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 long have you been sort of into games and 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 that sort of thing. Um, let's see. I was playing games like my, I think one of my first games ever was like Tekken 2 on the PlayStation Hell 1. Yeah. Ooh, um that was, was like class. um that was actually the way that like my family kind of like got my brother into games. And then nice. my dad was playing with my brother, and then I started playing it too. Um and that was the only game that my, my dad ever like playing with ever. <laughs> like oh Tekken. my god, I love it. He doesn't too. game, but he played that, and that's <laughs> why he had a PlayStation One. That's and great. that was yeah, I was super young. And then like I as I got older, like my brother would always get like the next like console. He wouldn't get mm-hmm. all of them, but he would get like a PS2 and then he would get a 360. Mm-hmm. Um and he our taste would start to like kind of veer apart. Um and he would get really into like shooters, like Halo and such, like 360. Mm-hmm. Uh that's when I would get into like stuff like Devil May Cry, Onimusha, um, Dynasty Warriors and such. Mm-hmm. Um, in those games. Um would you play and through them together then, like siblings? Like my sister and I, we would play through sometimes, games together. Yeah, okay. um, I, I would play um, some games with my sister as well. Like we would play Dynasty Warriors together. And sometimes we would play like other silly stuff that my brother had. Like he had the wrestling games, like, yeah. WWE and, and <laughs> of course. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so my sister and I would play that. Um, and then more and more so though, I think my brother's taste kind of started kind of directing him more towards shooters. Okay. And I really don't like no I, very much with the exception of bioshock which is a, a, a trojan horse 
shooter. Like they, it might yeah. look like, but it's all about like Ayn Rand and and objectivism and American ex- and and uh, some of the stuff I've heard about the Bioshock Four. It's the one, but literally just that. I couldn't care less for for shooters oh, otherwise. Yeah. So I agree. It's with like you. if the game um, is kind of fueled by other things, then I yes. could definitely get into it. Um, yeah, like if it's like a resident evil game that is like a little bit more actiony, sure. I'll play it. Cause it's resident evil. And like, I'm going to play resident evil, but if it's yeah. just by its own and it doesn't really have any like extra kind of allure to it, then I'll probably stay away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but then it kind of, I feel like lately though, I haven't been playing as many games um, to explore like new ones. I've more so just been really diving into the ones that I like a lot. And Metabolizing. Yeah. Know, especially the with nourishment. resident evil. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like most of the time that I spend like around games, even if not mm-hmm. like playing them is like yeah. looking into their extra stuff and trying to like find out like deeper meanings and such. Yeah. But, yeah. You're making them work. You're making, and, and I actually quite like that uh, because I'll give you an example. I think it was 2019 or yeah. And DMC um, six, so, so five rather was, was 19, 2019. Right. I believe. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what I finished. I only finish a game. I like to to the end, you know. Complete. I hate saying beat the game again. I don't mind when people well when I'm in conversation, but when I'm like, yeah, beat it. It's like no, you 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 completed it because we're not children <laughs> anyway. It's fine. You can say it. Um, uh, that's me being super. Pr- like I just got lots of. I can hear them listening in in the podcast app, being like, okay, that's Albert. Don't be pretentious. I can <laughs> let, me, let me say. Okay, fine. Um, but I, I completed uh, Devil May Cry 5. I did not complete, the, um, uh, what was it, Sekiro that came out there? I did not. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I completed Jedi Fallen Order. And, and, and so when I, um, man, where to begin with? We could honestly talk about five for like 10 whole episodes. Like just that. It is a masterpiece. It's single, like I said, early 2000s. And then I kind of took a DMC break, I'll be honest, Beggy. Like, uh, in essence, uh, like I, you can see on the, the Instagram, I have the sketches that I would do in 05 of part three, which I think is a lot more connected to part five than, than, mm-hmm. than four. Those are really cool. Um, mm, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, man, I, where to, where to even, even I listen to Crimson Cloud. I just be like, uh, Siri, plays Crimson Cloud. <laughs> like, <laughs> It, it, you know, the also Crimson Cloud is. I I want to do a song analysis with you on Crimson Cloud. Like it's, and Jeff Rona and and, and they're all they're all ready to, to to be on the show. And if you ever wanted to like dive in with some of these, like I the whole network is based on c- connecting creators and and the community. But yeah, all this is to say, I go on tangent tastic. But maybe I will not play. I will not complete a game unless it's or even direct my attention away from like really processing something unless it's. Ex- unless it is of that sort of DMC5 caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like it that way because I I even explored, I mean, sort of mused existentially about like, are, are the the, Al, the the Beggies and the Alberts, are we part of maybe a new breed where we, new breed of gamers, so to speak, where, where we're more focused on just that one game and we sort of really metabolize, really understand and like almost degustation, you know? We just mm-hmm. extremely like um, cherish it and see all it has to offer rather than that than that sort of conveyor belt of playing 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 and i think mm-hmm. it's nice i think we're sort of hybrids you and i um and i love that and never change it's it's great what what for example like in 2019 like what games did you actually like roll credits on 
Um, honestly, Dumb Like Cry 5, Resident Evil 2 Remake were the big ones because mm-hmm. those were like, yeah, let's so be cool. honest, like the games that I would obviously play that year. But then beyond that, um, I wonder, I wonder what else. I think I played Dynasty Warriors 8 Extreme mm-hmm. and beat all the campaigns in that that year. Nice. Um, yeah, a lot of obscure stuff. It's like not cool. really stuff that was like released or even popular at the time, other than those two big Capcom titles, right? Wow. I would just kind of venture about and play stuff like in my backlog or stuff that I thought would be like nostalgically, you know, attractive to me. That's mm-hmm. basically all. It's That's not like a relief. Yeah. I'm not alone. Thank you. <laughs> Giant hugs. <laughs> that makes yeah. me so happy. Um and 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 here's the thing is is if people may be tuning in to this, listen, you know think of um think of everyone having their own you know bespoke whatever idiosyncratic relationship with their with their art form certainly gaming because it is apparently it is the the premier like entertainment art form where you're seeing so many um so many companies being like how can we sort of find our way into gaming and 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 also unprecedentedly which we also need to talk about is, is game adaptations uh Simply because uh, it's my ideal timeline from here, Veggie, is that uh, you as the torchbearer you are, I think, for this, like, you'll be, and I actually really am manifesting this for you along with your Patreon and everything, which, again, if you haven't by now paused me, especially when I'm waffling, like, just skip forward anytime I speak to when Veggie speaks again. And while you're skipping forward, jump on Veggie's (laughs) Patreon. I like to just directly address the listeners and viewers. Um, what I would love to see is, the, I mean, I, I love Castlevania. I, I, what do you think of of our our good friend Adi doing uh, an animated series and and the potential? I'm just going to throw it live action. I'll just throw that and not not wince, but I I sense that potentially, especially with the God of War adaptation, we're not in a universe where that can't happen if not won't happen. So. Your thoughts on those two, animated and live action with with Devil May Cry, go. Yeah, for sure. I also love Castlevania. Like Castlevania is one of the franchises. Like I got into it really late too. Like I, yeah, yeah. the first time playing Castlevania game was Castlevania 1 on NES on an, on an emulator because I never had like an NES or anything like that. Um, too much of a boomer thing for me, I guess. Like it's never, cool. Yeah, had that older stuff. But um, no, it really grew on me. Like, I love all the Dracula stuff. Huge Dracula fan, huge Carmilla fan. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I love how both of those are, are incorporated into the into the anime as well, as well as the games. Um, I thought the anime was, like, some had some of the uh, most cohesive, like, storytelling I've ever seen. Like, I don't even, I'm not very into anime like that. Neither I don't I. watch a lot of anime. I've nope. seen maybe, like, five or six total but I've, mm-hmm. I've really loved the ones that I really got into mm-hmm. um, almost all like scary or vampire related um, just because like, I don't know. I just feel like that kind of stuff will always make an exception just to watch like <laughs> stuff like Shiki, Helsing kind of stuff. Oh, Helsing. I, we have, I love Helsing. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I, there was, we had a DVD. My sister and I would watch it. It had an Excel saga preview. You couldn't skip it. And so now Helsing, Helsing and Excel saga are forever interlinked, but just don't at me about it. Stop what you're doing. Go find out what Helsing if you haven't found it out. Like Alucard is in Helsing, is something else, and we should oh, yeah. definitely. We there's any any topic you can imagine, Beggy. I've I've maybe insanely, but mm-hmm. that's another another subject. But I have created a sub outlet for it and De- Vampire Hunter D as well. And yeah, we're going to talk oh, about yeah, all the things. Sure. Um, all right, but yeah, like, you're right. Y- mm. Um, yeah, with that, and the anime was just like 
it really impressed me. Um, so like, I think that's the best medium for DMC to thrive as a non-video okay. game, uh, for sure. Especially considering that like, if DMC were to get some kind of live action kind of deal, mm-hmm. um, I think there would largely be, you know, disappointed fans. There would be like <laughs> the, the, the direction is like questionable because if it's something that like Capcom is putting forth, um, they're either going to have like some, uh, independent director kind of like mm-hmm. making something, um, you're going to have someone like, uh, there's always a question of what version of the story do we want to tell? Mm. Um, there have been so many things that have been done over again, Dante fighting Virgil, uh, the whole Dante uh, versus Mundus thing. Um, those have been like, these concepts have been done within the core series, within the reboot, and then again in five and in three. So there's, there's a lot to pull from in terms of a live action, but like kind mm. of deciding which version um, of, of their battles and of the story that they want to choose. I feel like, um, a lot of that um, is the stuff that directors usually take liberties with and they, they mm-hmm. try to run in some other direction. I'm, I'm kind of um, also alluding to how Resident Evil was, um, you know, kind of adapted into film. Mm-hmm. Very mixed per- per- um mixed uh, like reception yeah reception like across Did the not, board yeah and so Welcome yeah for, for both the new movie and <laughs> and for the old ones right for paul anderson's films um so for devil may cry i feel like it's not really worth it unless okay. they have like some kind of um someone with a really good history of directing like similar action stuff the reason why we're so hopeful and we think that the devil may cry anime would be so promising is because Adi Shankar has done Castlevania, right? But mm-hmm. like out of, you know, the kind of projects that Anderson and Johannes Roberts have done for the Resident Evil movies, it's not something that would particularly get someone excited. So it kind of depends on who mm. takes on the project, what yeah. version of the story they want to tell. Um, and overall, the cast is a huge. So there's too many factors to kind of like weigh in for the live action. Yeah. I will. I will now, um, if I may, and I love this because my as I, I always call myself a producer because I literally am a better producer than I am a host. I I'm just a temp host for all of these outlets until I find like people to just you know help me out. <laughs> um, but what I'll say is that with my producer brain, I immediately think, as you say, it's about that what you say the name and then fears are assuaged. You know, so for me, Devil May Cry, we're looking at someone. Preferably Ari Aster from the A24 group. Oh, I love um, his movies. They're right? So good. Yeah. Completely out of just getting out of that sphere and thinking of a character piece, right? Um, something intimate, like cameras right, right up there with people, at least for the first entry, right? Um, Robert Eggers, you know, The Witch, The Lighthouse, like um the the material is i mean and and part of the vision board for this in would have to have a lot of or, or vision video rather like the, the package the pitch as you know with these projects would definitely involve uh, and this isn't smoke blowing to you but it would involve like okay well see this uh you know beggy has has done this analysis and this is kind of what we want the people watching this to, to start making these connections we we have, uh, and that's why I don't think a live action film, I'm, I'm getting away from film a lot. For games, it's like, I just kind of, I tune out when I get, have that notion of a film because games are sequential. So we have things like, you know, come, upcoming, you know, Rings of Power and, 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 you know, even Halo and stuff. I think the reason why Halo finally happened is because they realized like, well, games have more in common with series. So you're, you're leapfrogging that 
problem of like condensation entirely because now you can just breathe and a lot of these budgets are really permissible for something like that. So if you got an Ariasta to be like, well, when I was looking into, you know, <laughs> my research for hereditary, you know, looking into demons and stuff, I couldn't help but, um, and you know that you fucking know that these people know about Devil May Cry. You know they do. <laughs> and because they're in their art house kind of crowd. And it's like, that's what I mean. Once that bubble has burst, Veggie, I want to see like a Bioshock. Well, Bioshock movie is happening. Holy fucking shit. That's right. In Netflix, you know? Um, uh, so I have hope that you get someone like that, then you get, um, you know, for the action. Cause I, again, that's, that's woven in, but I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to ever have that feeling while watching it of like feeling as though the producer is like sitting next to me, like, see, we did it. We included the pizza. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right. I would never want that. I want to, I think a good way, it, it, some people have mixed things, but you know, the, why the Witcher is succeeding on Netflix is, is what they did is not, not only is that book, right. And Lauren Hishrick, who's the showrunner there, she's great. She says, well, I don't think of it as a game. It's, it's a book adaptation. And I would say, similarly, I think the reason why I think the Halo series is going to do well is because you, you, you take the, the material and then you adapt it into like basically a book. And then you adapt the book. Like you, you actually create this work that it's not just this, um, you know, uh, conveyor belt of references that game is again, because we're, I would say, overall, pretty, pretty smart bunch that they wouldn't just be like, okay, roll their eyes and, and say like, you didn't, you sort of missed the point. But so that's my, I just want, I want people to start thinking that in that sense of like, go, go there, like um, with something like an adaptation. But I think maybe, I don't think we're not even, I think 2030s maybe or late 2020s is when something like that depends. It's all going to be about how this God of War series goes and the last of us on HBO, you know, um, but speaking of the last of us and horror, which I love, I need to give massive shouts out to your your affinity with that genre. And I think we share that commonality of the reason why it made horror a bit more, like you said, it was the first game you played when like you could play it on your own, right? Um, instead of with your yeah. brother, I think you mentioned. Yeah. Right. It's because it, it married completely horrifying, ter- like terrifying imagery with jokes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> with, exactly. With that you know? goofiness and, and with that stylish, like kind of comboing and, and but so but I want to say like if that was your your entryway into that as someone I'm I like that you recognize some of these A twenty four names but what what in horror in any genre uh, and 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 in any medium what is resonating with you what is exciting you and what would you like to see more of in horror? Um, I watch a lot of foreign horror films. Um, yes. I like folk horror a lot. I like Japanese horror a lot. Mm-hmm. I like um, my favorite director is probably someone named Koji Shiraishi. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but uh, he was actually, yeah. Mention a title and maybe. What uh, okay. Uh, so some of his best movies are Noroi the Curse. Mm-hmm. And um, another one is called Occult. It's just called Occult. Occult. They're ringing bells, but not directly, uh, you know, but uh-huh, so please yeah. expound and, and educate us all. He has, um, so this director has like what you can call very like primitive film techniques for his scares, uh, for his framing, for everything. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that he presents them and um, his kind of lower budget and kind of very realistic slow burn style uh, makes it very hard to distinguish reality from the creepy occurrences. And I think that's like probably the best compliment I can give him because 
you feel very immersed within the lives of these people. A lot of them feel like real life documentaries. Like you're just catching people in the midst of their everyday. And so uh, when things do occur and, and the phenomena and the folklore that backs them is very akin to like classical Japanese folklore, uh, kind of vanquishing spirits with claps and bows series of that kind of stuff. Um, He's amazing with that. So like, I would say his big three movies for me are probably Naroi the curse occult and a movie Mm. called cult very like generic titles but um yeah their actual execution and their level of immersion for any viewer is something that like a lot more people in the horror genre need to see because when i watch um when i see people um in in just the larger discourse discussing horror movies what's like some of the best horror some of the scariest horror you've seen it's all like garbage that people have seen like a million times you know what i mean like they're just putting down like the same kind of names from like a particular year or just like previously that like is just like uh, a well-known horror title Mm -hmm. and skewing western right yes very very heavily so like I like I like a lot of French horror as well. Um, the new uh, love like wave of French extremity, whatever it's called. All of the movies brought in by that, like Martyrs, Inside, uh, High Tension. Huge fan of all of those. Um, I, I love the way that they are they're executed, um, and they all have like, you know, some people criticize them in the sense that like they have a oh, like an overdone sense of violence. Some people say they're like kind of gore gore or torture porn but mm-hmm. really they're all like much more than that they have mm-hmm. most of the time they're like that because they have to be some of them are sillier and can are more you know susceptible to that criticism but for the most part they're very gripping storylines and they're very um unique in the horror genre there's nothing quite like that wave of extreme french horror so yeah i love so i love japanese i love french um there's a lot of obscure ones that are like here as well mm-hmm. um that are kind of like harder to find and even like access nowadays that I think oh, are yes. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all sorts of um, different like foreign films that I think should be much larger than they are yeah. in the discourse. I um, resonate with that again. Uh, mm-hmm. Very much so. I, I Have you heard of the film, Japanese horror film Audition? I love that movie. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. So I that's actually, what I, yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I was going to say, um, I think T- Tarantino, I was reading that Tarantino praised that movie yeah. as a masterpiece if there ever was one. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. Like mm-hmm. I actually, I, I like that movie a lot. I don't think it's like quite as scary as some of the other stuff, um, but it's very subjective, right? Like yeah, I, I, I know plenty of people that think audition is scarier than the movies I was talking about by mm-hmm. Koji. So yeah. like, it really depends on like what gets to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, Oh my gosh, like everything of, about the execution. It's, it's very charming, very pretty mm-hmm. movie also. So, yeah. So like what that. I'll, what I'll say and speak to here is, is that idea of subjectivity, right? Some people can find things completely bewilderingly frightening. Like I watched um, it follows and I, there was a okay. okay. I, there was a while that I just was wanting to mix it up, I guess. And I just watched a bunch of horror movies on the treadmill. <laughs> I was just like relaxing after work. I watched The Exorcist on the treadmill for the first time. I watched It Follows, and I was like, okay, I want to make these like films that have been lauded as like completely terrifying. I want to give them an extra obstacle to get to me, 
So they're going to have to surpass the fact that I'm doing something else at the same time that, you know, so I just want it. And um, it, it follows interestingly a uh, couple of scenes. Yes. You know, uh, same with exorcist, couple of scenes. Yes. Um, uh, that made me take pause, you know, but um, there are films that then there are films that uh, I haven't, like do you do something sometimes maybe who knows other people i'm certain that a lot of people even now are already looking up the some of what you've recommended they've that's how a lot of us horror folks work is whenever someone drops that name they've got a list in their phone it's like i will watch oh, that yeah. you know i do too um, i have a list exactly right um mm-hmm. i mean we'll never run out of seriously there's just so many um but uh but the, do you do sometimes the the thing of you because if it's fucking scary, man, like do you kind of peek a little bit at the Wikipedia article just to sort of make sure, just to see, or do you like to go in completely black every time? I never look up information okay. like about the movie. Really, okay. I, all right. If I do, it'll be okay. after watching the movie. Never before. Oh, okay. Though, so oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Because I'm still to some degree. Uh, I I like to think that I've what i love about heart it's it's the exploration of like how much fucking more dark and fucked up can someone yeah because <laughs> it's just why not like that's fascinating that's a that's a, a field it is a field so far without with an endless horizon and it's better on screen than out in the real world you know i always every time i watch a horror film where i see insanely depraved frightening stuff or a horror film that's like kind of middling but there's a scene that fucking like like darkness falls for example is uh do you, do you remember that uh it was a uh, I haven't seen that but yeah oh well then I maybe won't spoil it so actually no fuck it you're you're extremely high quality so it's it's pretty trash it's a it's a pretty fucking trash movie but but it's about the tooth fairy right and um it's an interpretation of the tooth fairy as uh surprise surprise an evil spirit mm-hmm. and uh the all I'll say is maybe just look up the opening of of darkness falls okay um, sure. just i mean i might leave that and maybe there's people in the i can hear them in the crowd being like oh yeah fuck because what it does is uh i find the most effective horror even as jaded as fuck you know talk about i was like this is perfect we beggy and i are in a time especially on planet earth where we are very much in the not in the unfallen <laughs> we are very much mm-hmm. towards so i was like this is a, a very worthwhile and timely discourse now i think blake would also be if he was with us on the on the podcast he'd be like yeah it's it's pretty rough out there with with jadedness levels and stuff but I fucking love when it, when something can shake my foundations even now. Mm. And I think I sense that in you too. Is that kind of maybe also why you That's extremely, Honor? yeah, that's extremely true because mm. um, I like have grown this like extremely opposite relationship with horror now than mm-hmm. I used to. Like yeah. I actually welcome nightmares. I think there's mm-hmm. some of the most powerful Me and memorable experiences ever. They've mm-hmm. resulted in a lot of my poems, mm-hmm. a lot of like ideas for like, I'm actually writing a horror novel right now. Um, so they have like a lot of ideas for like poems and short stories, even the way they do my videos mm-hmm. come from really, really scary nightmares, very scary movies. Um, and and like you mentioned, it's usually just a couple of, you know, whether it be imagery or just some concept that really gets into your skin, um, p- pieces of a movie that mm-hmm. that is required to like really keep you up and, that like my mind really runs with that, like especially things that I can see happening, like 
in my place where I live, yep. you know, mm-hmm. like in the home, like not feeling safe in your own home because you've watched a horror movie, like that kind of stuff. I, I love that. Kinda, I love that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's completely changed. So I like, I do like that feeling. It's great. I just remember, you know, it's, it's a classic, but the Blair Witch, I watched the Blair Witch so good. Uh, back in Italy. I actually watched it literally in, it was again, that cobblestone village. I'll, I'll send you a picture where I spent two, two or so years there. Uh, mm-hmm. just under two years or whatever but it was enough to apparently like fill my mind with like all of these like memories and i'm because uh, when you're younger you, you remember the language so i'm like bilingual italian and stuff and and but i watch it and even in italian even on vhs this thing i couldn't sleep with the lights off <laughs> and then i rewatched it at like 28 i was like surely and I, <laughs> that's all i said surely i put it in i watch it i'm oh, fuck i cannot sleep with the lights off yeah. <laughs> when i after i watched the blair witch uh, we'll see when I rewatch it in however long, because I think it's one of the pillars. But uh, oh yeah, um, it's definitely pioneering. Like mm-hmm. that's what you know. If you like that movie a lot, um, mm-hmm. I know that's like one of the greatest found footage types of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, that really gets you into the, the realism aspect. Um, then you're gonna love that director that I suggested. Like for yeah. me, like Blair Witch is pretty scary. Like mm-hmm. I bought into it, and when I buy into those kind of films. Yep. They're very effective and they land on me like really mm-hmm. hard. But in terms of Koji Suraishi's kind of similar style, fun, fun footage, a uh, very primitive film style, they scared me like many, many times more than that in kind mm-hmm. of a similar way, a little bit of a different way, but like mm-hmm. they really got to me. They're just so eerie. I can't wait. Like, Otherworldly. I'm going mm-hmm. to have to check it out. And, and then no discussion on Japanese horror would be complete without talking about Junji Ito right (laughs) okay all right (laughs) yeah man so what i fucking hope is uh look everything's tangentially you can you can tarzan kevin bacon your way back to devil may cry it's fine okay sure i will eventually no 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 this is this is me i'm I'm taking i'm taking taking all of that on myself uh but again i like i love how you're open to tangents because i i believe in the interconnectedness of topics and I fucking okay. Here's a here's a tangent for you. I fucking hate how there are seventy fucking Star Wars podcasts, and <laughs> who just are just endlessly chewing the same fucking fu- and like a hundred Harry Potter podcasts, and they're like, we're on our fifth reread of Order of the Phoenix. It's like you have a fucking limited time on planet Earth, and you're reading and processing and <laughs> analyzing Order of the fucking Phoenix eighteen times. Um, there's worthwhile films to explore, worthwhile tangents to go down. And I, I hate the reductivist ADD fucking appendation or whatever the fuck. Fuck that. I'm just, I'm on this. That's why everything, seriously, Beggy, the network is entirely about like whatever it is. If it's not out there, you haven't seen it. There's a fucking dedicated podcast about it. And I love oh, that. Yeah. None of this is in that dilettante territory of like, he's just doing it to fucking add it to the network. It's like, I am real deal old school playstation magazine demo discs devil may cry fan i really fucking am um mm-hmm. and i cannot wait for six and six what the how the fuck does six surpass five? Oh, fuck it let's talk about that how okay um sure it's going to be all it's going to be completely next gen uh, obviously um i'm guessing 2023 ish four ish um yeah if i say biggie big big devil may cry six expound what would you say um i think it's really <laughs> like interesting to note that all of three three four and five for mm-hmm. dante right his moveset mm-hmm. have all built off of each other right mm-hmm. so presumably you know they could there's kind of two paths that they could follow 
they could completely overhaul everything in terms of like moves that I'm just talking about combat mechanically and create entirely moves, new moveset for like, say both characters um, in terms of the amount of options available in five, it's pretty ridiculous, right? <laughs> like you're not, it, it's, that's why in my head, I was kind of running through the question the other day of, is it really worth it to build more on top of that existing moveset that you had since three, the beginnings mm -hmm. of it in three, right? And now because of PC mods and because of Switch, you could play three with all styles with Dante and have it feel kind of like five a little bit. And so I was thinking like in six, are they just going to kind of overhaul everything that they've worked on for these characters and build an entirely new moveset? Because it seems to makes sense yeah it seems to kind of i feel like they need to move on a little bit there in terms of mechanically uh thematically it's still very rich it's expounded upon itself so many times and becomes something you know just really beautiful and so for six i feel like they can go on to explore other themes within like similar minds and intellectuals Mm -hmm. And that's something that they've liked doing a lot lately. If you look at the Revelations Resident Evil games, mm -hmm. um, they've actually put some of Dante Alighieri's inspiration into Revelations 1. Uh, one of my favorite authors of all time, Franz Kafka, they put a lot of oh, his inspiration into Revelations 2. So mm -hmm. Capcom is loving this kind of literature into game, mm -hmm. literature into um, monster, into thematic relevance kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I have faith in them at that end. Um, and story-wise, you know, it's, it's really hard to see like what direction you can go. Um, a lot of people have brought up the idea of like doing like a prequel story or something, mm. um, and doing like more of like Sparta and such, but then yeah. it might be because kind of building off of Virgil's story right now is almost difficult. It almost feels like the end of a story. It feels like, I the, think so. it feels like the finale of what Devil May Cry 4 should have been. Mm -hmm. And all of the interconnected relationships between Nero, Dante, Virgil, they feel complete. It yeah. feels like it's time to start something like new, new, new mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So well, that's my uh, well, initial. Yeah. I, I, again, it's just knocking it seriously. Like I, um, man. So I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads. Everything you've mentioned, I, I've either not fully found myself thinking uh, like complete thoughts about, but as soon as you, as you were saying it, I'm like, yes, I agree. Absolutely. That's, that makes perfect sense because as you go along, there is a feeling of finality to, to the, to the, to the game. Uh, and yet I also want to start <laughs> again, putting producer brain on. I have a belief that um, I have this belief in the Occam's razor theory, which is the most evident and obvious uh, explanation. That's, is that's what's going correct. Is yeah. often correct. That's right. Um, there's a crazy story that behind that. I think it's like a monk or something that like I don't know about the razor part, but yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I'll add the Wikipedia link below. Uh, okay, sure. So so, but for me is Occam's is like, and I, it's never like a blow against the integrity or the artistic. It's like I believe in certainly you know getting rolling up your sleeves and getting to work with something. But if there is a template available please use that. You know, that's why the template exists. And I talk about this with the, we did a Jurassic Park for the Jurassic podcast about like, okay, well, this is how for some reason there's never like, that's why I think Hogwarts legacy is going to blow the door open for, wow. Suddenly people realize if you, if you lock yourselves away for five years and make this game that is like designed to be a game, but also 
uses this source material in this way that honors it, but is also this dream come true thing that people have wanted mm. for so long, then yes. you can do it. So I would like the, and I tend to say, well, I want the Hogwarts legacy of this, and I want the Horizon Zero Dawn of that, and I want the Devil, you know, of this, Devil May Cry, whatever. Um, and so for me, uh, so for the longest time, and I hope people are open to this. And I think generally, if you if you're still listening, and I love that you had that in your show, it's like in your in your essay is. is you you speak directly to the listeners like if you've made it if you've made it this far you've proven that you believe <laughs> you've proven <laughs> yeah exactly and i really resonate with that so what i'm saying is um zelda for the longest time it was uh oh my gosh it was dungeons man it was pretty in its own way like uh they call it golden like um there's naughty dog came up with it it's it's not quasi not even quasi open world it's uh um cl- it's like closed world almost but 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 it's 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 open world, but with a leash sort of thing, and um, and and I what I see potentially happening is is if DMC five is Skyward Sword, then Breath of the Wild. What comes after? Because you know one thing Skyward Sword did it it brought the the stamina bar, it brought mm-hmm. certain elements of open world, you know, and certainly with DMC five there were elements that just felt. The environments felt huger and bigger, and and I I think yeah. those were very successful elements. I think especially in the battle arenas and stuff, um, and it actually allowed the series to breathe a lot. You know, uh, V. I actually then I have another part of my producer brain, which is never about like getting as many products, get as many SKUs, Beggy. Yeah, SKUs. Right. <laughs> uh, no, it's about this would feel. So I would love a V prequel. So just a dedicated mm. a V prequel where you get to fully immerse into those platforming elements of Griffin that you can like glide, you know, right? And then, so then there would be its own sort of, I would say God of War 2018 would be the template for that is you play as V, it's between whatever, and you get to kind of like explore, basically getting to be V in that sort of platformer way. Uh, so that's one. But then in, then for the Breath of the Wild, that's like a spin-off type thing. But for the next sequence, uh, for like the next main title, I would love to... St- Okay, here's here's your headline, folks. I would love for um, Devil May Cry to do for six, from from five to six, what Skyward Sword was to Breath of the Wild. Where now, similarly, you know, Skyward Sword got 10, 10, 10s, not that it's about the score, but people loved it for what it was, that old school dungeons, you know? And then they also, similarly, like, it's even to the point where people are like, Skyward what? Or Ocarina of what? Like, people fucking love Breath of the Wild. And I would love, I would love for the DMC team to give themselves that challenge of like, fuck it, talk about giving ourselves challenge. Like, let's... I mean, tell me, tell me, Beggy, when you were playing DMC five, you know the van that appears out of fucking nowhere. Okay, yeah. right? <laughs> it just it didn't it, it. It had that sense of like, why wouldn't I want to kind of not maybe, maybe not drive the van or whatever, but it had that feeling of I just love that you could fucking escape the hell outside to this cozy protected van. Was, <laughs> yeah, I just that's something really like maybe taps into my childhood of like cubby houses and like safe safe houses you know i fucking mm. love that so is any of what i'm saying making sense uh, is it sacrilege uh what do you think that that notion it's not of, it's not okay. to the level of sacrilege right mm-hmm. um but what i think is that capcom needs to be like yeah it sounds like it sounds like shade but i feel like capcom in particular needs to okay. be a little bit careful mm-hmm. of borrowing too much from other interactive elements from other triple a titles and throwing oh, yeah. them in their own because they've done that with resident evil and tried to make resident evil a mass multiplayer shooter like 
so oh, no. many times and uh, almost every single iteration has been it even if not unsuccessful it's been like damn ugly like it's yeah. been ugly yeah. <laughs> in the sense of like you've lost the spirit of what you initially made and you're trying yeah. to land it with another kind of whatever battle royale oh, kind of like sure, no. whatever you're doing you know with risk resistance reverse which is canceled anyway um <laughs> But they need to learn from experimenting in areas that their game simply isn't meant to do mm-hmm. and no one wants. So yeah. with but but on the bright side, to your suggestion, things that um I actually had a talk with this um with someone the other day about how elements that seem make the world seem more interactive and dmc are more fitting than resident Mm -hmm. evil because Mm -hmm. you already have elements of platforming you have the most primitive puzzles you can in five they used to be (laughs) kind of puzzles and like one and kind of three but five my god those are not puzzles but it's but it's okay yeah devil may cry five pulls off so many things that it shouldn't be able to pull off right it has that essence and that spirit of what started as a game where you're trying to like figure out the puzzles get through um again which are hardly puzzles it's just mm-hmm. you get the thing you kill you kill the demons and then you move yep. on but then in terms of incorporating more elements uh, on that side you know what would that gameplay be like would people that play devil may cry be even into that personally yep. if it was like if i had some mechanical depth to the driving and i could like boost to hit oh, hit demons and shit and That's like what I maybe mean. kind of Kind of like sleeping dogs, you know. I could yeah. not if they made something like that, and they like <laughs> powered up Nico's car to be like crazier and capable of more interesting gameplay. Then sure. So it's like okay. they have to make it stylistically work with the game to like no, venture yeah, that far outside. Um, but but yeah, like I I definitely can see. That's another fear too, right? Okay. Um, don't keep. Don't try to make an open world out of every no. franchise. Eventually, because I would. Yeah, I hate that. So many, every franchise is trying to do that, right? So like no, the, yeah. the reason why Capcoms are so appealing to me and, mm-hmm. and I hate open worlds, right? Like I really, I really don't like oh, open world games. I agree. I, yeah, like I, I don't get into them. There are very mm-hmm. few that I like. I kind of mm-hmm. liked Borderlands, but it was at an age where like yeah. I could play that with friends and just like get missions and just like mm-hmm. this sheer dopamine would keep me going. I don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but in terms of like, uh capcom's big titles lately they're meant to be the opposite of an open world they're an experience that is strong narratively um at least presentation wise if Mm -hmm. not narratively and their gameplay is like just a really solid experience and you'll be done in say 10 to 15 hours and it stands alone by itself it's not like this thing that's just like a, a large world with a bunch of side quests and different you know kind of really superficial connections to characters that aren't consequential in the long run so you just meet them do a side quest you leave like there's there's too many games like that no it's so superficial you know right so so if they're going to try to expand they really have to find like the fine line of like what's that balance between making it like let's do everything kind of game Mm -hmm. like in resident evil 6 where you're like searching for the key and shit even (laughs) remake so like to keep it from doing that and to keep it being devil may cry it's like i feel like they have to do some experimentation they have to think about like yeah. what would match the game you, you were there was a sequence where you're driving a plane in dmc1 at the very end and it's just like that could have just not been the game and no one would have cared right so <laughs> i Absolutely. Some people really like that maybe i don't it's know it's very well-rounded biggie i like that where you were like here's some cons here's some pros you know um so another again templates 
the idea is to say a couple of things and then it's like, oh, actually, all right, I see kind of what you mean. So recently, Elden Ring as well. Um, so one of the things that is so fucking important for me with Bloodborne, especially, which uh, again, I've, I've, I get to a certain point and then past when it gets to that sort of um, point at which you, you that, that threshold of like, as you said, where it just it's hard for the sake of being hard, which is fine, and I'm actually actually live and let live with that. I absorb so much of of, of Bloodborne's beautiful and very thought provoking and symbolism filled lore, you know, um, and etymological like Yarnam, you know that that name. I, I think in my first podcast ever in 2015, I broke that down, and someone uh, looked at the word yearning you know, uh, and the etymological kind of link between a a town that yearns for blood. And so there's a lot of that really additive, interesting stuff at play. And I, I was like, oh gosh, so they're going open world. But I, by that time I wasn't too, I just had had a lot of trust, lots of trust for, for, you know, um, Hideo, uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki. And, and, um, and, and so when it came, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the highest rated game. I think on ever i think yeah i wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't be surprised that's right so it's doing exceptionally well and and as you said it's not it's never about doing that kind of try hardy hard pivot into a genre that just is just what are you doing like that's why resident evil like you know it's don't do that you know but if they're but on the other hand like with with you know monetization and multiplayer i really have i've seriously zero pretty much essentially zero interest in that stuff um but if there are signs, and that's why I quite like when you'll see the next the, the next iteration of something makes you feel as though the thing you're playing is like, oh wow, there actually there were hints of where this was going to go in every single entry. You know, oh yeah, I always find like that's that's good storytelling. And in two, the reason why I love two is two was more open than than one DMC one. And I when I you know some of those like cartwheels and so obviously that's the the main accusation <laughs> is that it was empty. I was like, no worries, that's okay. I fucking hate empty open world games. The Assassin's Creed gives me massive existential <laughs> bouts because I'm like, no, don't give me directionlessness. Give me something where and that's why in Elden Ring uh, and from from what I have played is is there is extremely strong uh character, uh, uh extremely strong narrative mm-hmm. and and in place in the world. And so what I would think is interestingly, here's my sort of quasi pitch. And I want to hear yours. If you have maybe anything that you've prepared okay. or, or thought about. So they'll make cry one actually. And that's how you immediately endure yourself. This is very wise of the breath of the wild people. When they said, look, we're going open world, but wait, we're taking inspiration from 1987 from mm-hmm. the very first Devil May Cry, uh, um, Zelda. And so then suddenly all the pitchforks went down. They were like, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. And and they even had some artwork that like resembled the old artwork of like Lincoln. And what they did is uh, some people would argue about so the sort of the weather systems and stuff and how you can't climb when it's raining for realism purposes, like you'll slide if whatever. That's fine. Um, uh, but with Devil May Cry 1, it was Melee Island. It was an island, right? And and what I would love for for six is that what you do is you spend a fuck ton, like the same way they did with the lands between on Elden Ring, you spend so long making the like a beautiful. You take maybe that same engine as as five, and you make this extremely detailed, like with, you know, you can go underground, you can go up in the sky, you know, all this kind of, like some maybe even a metaphysical island of some kind. Maybe that's we'll find that out in the middle of the game whether or not it's this maybe V or whatever it's like, maybe you could the whole thing. I don't, I'm not opposed to certainly some horror movies have done this. Like it was all a dream kind of thing or whatever, but 
it, it would take place on an island and this island would be insanely well designed and and one thing Elden Ring does is that it doesn't sacrifice its dungeon thing, which people really fell in love with, is you can actually go to these places called, they're called legacy dungeons. And they're, each one of these is essentially uh, those traditional kind of areas from the Dark Souls, you know, the things that people really enjoy, the sort of tight kind of caverns or, or um, uh, you know, palaces or, or castles or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and I do love you know, four and five uh, and five definitely for, for, for those areas as well. So, and yeah, the idea would be you arrive here uh, and protagonist is still a question mark for me. I think potentially probably just, again, for that Occam's razor, like probably just Dante, maybe, you know, right. Um, I did like the three character thing with Nero and stuff, but that would be up in the air. But the main premise would be an Island where you are. And I do love, the law and i want i want basically again as i said that vision board of like okay we have as a result of five we have <laughs> the beggies of the youtube realm creating these so that clearly resonated that clearly clicked let's fill this let's really go nuts like like really because i did i even as much as there was a lot of it beggie i i could have done with a lot more like so much oh more, yeah right mm-hmm. so i would love for them to like crack their fingers and be like okay we're going milton we're going uh kabbalistic we're going <laughs> you get it kabbalah kabbalistic, kabbalistic. <laughs> we're going we're going kabbalistic with this lore and and so a law filled monster filled um island that has a, a very strong narrative thread of discovery where you're you're trying to uncover a central mystery. There's no aimlessness. You're driven yourself from that narrative of being Dante. Like, why am I here? For example. And one of the right. things in Zelda is, I hope I'm not, do you care too much about spoilers for uh, Link's Awakening? I'm not like okay, in Zelda really. That's, I that's know, fine. I know of the games and their commercial okay. success and how they work, but I'm not big yeah. on them. Yeah. Okay. So twin. So, so Link's Awakening is Zelda twin peaks. <laughs> that's what it is. You wake up, in, and it was the the game makers. They said they were inspired by Twin Peaks when they were making it, and which I find hilarious. It's like this cutesy company, like yeah, we were inspired by David Lynch's Twin Peaks. That's what. Okay. Right. And and you appear on this island, and there's this egg on top of it, and it's you also basically by the end of the game, you find out that you are in a dream world. Uh, Final Fantasy does this too. You're in the dream world of a slumbering leviathan, you know. And what I would love is for this hypothetical APS uh, Devil May Cry Six is you arrive, you're Dante, maybe you're a younger version of yourself, maybe you have these scattered memories. So I would love for the thing to be a central central thing to be a mystery driven by why am I here? And for it to be basically, yeah, like tight, condensed, not completely overindulgent open world. And, and then just watch the outlets go from that disbelief, that outrage culture to the same thing that happened with i mean that's what i mean i want it to be three for three for three like dark souls got that with elden ring zelda got that beautiful catharsis with breath of the wild which both of those games are now officially metacritic wise whatever not that it's about that but they're the highest rated of each of their um series oh yeah and and i really do envision something like that uh for because i i mean my character for five was was v you know i really fucking love v um he's your boyfriend He's my boyfriend. He certainly is. He's many people's boyfriend. And I'm, I'm okay Mine with too. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. See, high five. <laughs> okay. um, and, and so that's kind of what I see. I mean, again, you could tie the two ideas together. You could be in V's dreamland or whatever. But so, and I am so on the same level of, on that same understanding with you about like, yeah, man, 
open world it can it can really risk staying too much on the surface being a bit empty being a bit and directionless so that's the but that's the challenge i set like the api the the, the dmc6 team is like okay so how would you resolve that and how would you make that imagine that like e3 trailer or whatever like summer of gaming trailer of uh it's suddenly like open world devil may cry and I would, I mean, again, the fucking guy has a motorcycle. Like there are things in place, baby. <laughs> there <laughs> yeah. are things in place that, the, and Link has a fucking motorcycle. Like how, how the fuck did Legend really? of Zelda, yes, in okay. the DLC, how are we in a universe, in a timeline where in the Legend of fucking Zelda series, Link got an open world motorcycle exploration game with like his sword and everything before Dante, you right? So, mm. so I think it, it, it would slot in pretty damn well. Uh, and I think it's, Lots of things are in place for that to happen, but equally, if they just took six, sorry, took five, and then made it, yeah, there's the it's the phrase, Beggy, it's wide linear, wide mm, linear. Okay, it's yeah. a industry, whatever the hell phrase. So, so I I'd be open to both of those. But do you have something like of a maybe a pitch that you've thought about, or are you literally like, uh, I think I'm I'm more about like let's just like do you kind of maybe even something stuff that we've riffed about here. Does that do you have sort of a rough shape that you would like it to take or are you like, you know um, what? I trust them. I haven't thought of it a whole mm-hmm. lot, but what I will say is that I love the idea of kind of drawing back from the original DMC, uh, mm-hmm. Devil May Cry, not the reboot, Devil May Cry yeah, 1. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the thing about one of the most common criticisms of 5 was in fact that after you've seen the uh, really high quality meshes of the Clifoth tree mm-hmm. of you know all of the different environments um don't quite stack up to the variety that was there in one mm-hmm. um one is just um <laughs> atmospherically unmatched right it's unrivaled and um having that underground location sw- swimming for a little even if it was silly um it's just so cool it makes you feel like every type of environment is explored and it is it is available for you and for you to be able to do that a little bit more freely but again like wide linear and not like necessarily open world Mm -hmm. um that would be a nice kind of pseudo return to form but also just like keep the combat growing and keep stacking on it if it needs to be overhauled sure but like um new move sets we've also seen the gauntlet move set in what like three titles now three four and five for Dante and Virgil. So I feel mm. like there's a lot of combat to build off of, but in terms of world building, I do think that something that warrants all of these different biomes and terrains, that seems really fitting. I feel like that's what like is needed after five because five doesn't have that variety. Right. Yeah. Um, gorgeous game, probably, you know, very, you no, know, definitely very expensive meshes and the photogrammetry that they do to take a, uh, uh, make real images into meshes for the game. Uh, obviously very, a lot of very much to do. Um, mm-hmm. but if it looks some, somewhere close to being on par to like say monster hunter, they mm-hmm. could make it look gorgeous and also offer you like a really good variety of different like biomes and terrains to just like mess around. And, and it was also really, um, fascinating to me how the first game kind of t- it linked each of its monsters to their respective environment. So like when you get out of the castle and you go into the huge courtyard you find the blades there like the the lizard thingies right yeah like you learn to associate all of these different environments with their enemy i felt like five kind of was a little bit lackluster in that category because 
Um, a lot of the enemy introductions um, were for enemies that were quite similar. Like, for example, you have those uh, large lizard beings. I forget what they're called in five. They have a different name. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have the ones that spin. And then you have the one that's like a total like, <laughs> bitch. And he teleports. <laughs> yeah. So like all, all of these things, they could use a little bit, um, maybe a couple more variety types of enemies. Um, something that links them to the biome that they're actually from, like the frost in um, DMC four and that mm -hmm. like more that cooler environment. So I think all of those really add to the kind of thematic strength of the entrance and and the me and the how memorable each of these enemy types are, even the bosses too. Totally. Um, so I feel like in those departments, uh, the world itself, the terrains, the types of enemies that are in them. Um, that is definitely like has room to expand. And if Dante uses something silly to get around, like sure. Yeah. Um, but like, but I would think that if it were more island type and if it has all these like weird environments, he would be using something more uh fitting to get around rather than yeah. a motorcycle. But it it really depends. <laughs> I mean, so. you look at look at look behind me, wings, right? That would be one thing which maybe oh, yeah. mid, mid to late game is you unlock obviously uh this this demon form where um again uh, I I guess I could gauge your interest. Uh, for me, I am I'm pretty invested in this Wizarding World stuff, primarily because I am just I really want them to move past the, the sort of Anglophilic, obsessed with mm, Britain thing. Okay. I want them to explore the different cultures and stuff, and they they seemingly are with the new film. And but with Hogwarts, as much as you know, look at the Hogwarts Legacy trailer, and anyone can just look at that and and beautifully like daydream about their favorite series, but with that amount of freedom. Uh, applied to it. And and when they go into combat view, it actually reminded me a bit of, you know, I love combat view. I mean, like, what is it? Um, uh, Pokemon Legends, actually, it's being called, it's like, like Breath of the Wild light kind of approach. It's because it's open world, but when there's fighting, it actually goes back to the old Pokemon style fighting that you remember. And it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, if, if we did do that and we could still just have that preserve something that's so so much a part of the the dna which is that mm -hmm. I, I fucking love that they score you after each i mean that's what that's the thing what would happen is after each one you'd, you'd still get that score and you'd still get that really really satisfying combat like you said it ruined combat for me too it's even as much as people love the from series or from soft it's like it's, it's Man, how fucking fun is Devil May Cry Combat? It's just fucking, it's so fun, man. The animations, just, it's, yeah, go ahead. It just feels like there's always um, a ceiling <laughs> that you haven't reached. Because <laughs> yeah. every time you feel like there's a ceiling, you will unlock some new ability that makes it be like, no, you haven't done shit. And then when you feel like you're really good at the game, you go online and find people yeah. who are actually good at the game and look mm -hmm. like they're just cheating. <laughs> like they're moving all around. They're like, like the That's Twitter right. clips, the mm. the combo videos, Dunguri players yeah. like that. They just really, they create something that no one feels like is mechanically possible <laughs> with their fingers to do, and then they present it like, yeah, I do this all every day. It's <laughs> whatever. It's, it's so great, and and I think that's so so important to to, to preserve for for whatever six will be. Um, and okay, actually, I will mention instead of. It's actually there's another series that that made the leap. I'm just gonna call it the leap, and it's that it is a leap of faith. It's it's not taking quite the safe route. It's God of War that did it recently. They had their DMC inspired slash DMC adjacent combat, and then they made that leap into 
you know, with 2018's game and stuff. And, and that was, again, wide linear because you could go to the different realms. And that's another template I have is like, well, it, it, the structure of hell, right, really lends itself to these open but closed environments where you can go to the different levels of hell, right? <laughs> Imagine navigating, you know, and maybe, so you would have to see about incorporating um, a day-night cycle. I would love to see the the ecology of some of these places, ecology of hell, you know, oh, yeah. that you could be exploring um, some of these areas and then, or maybe even the DMC, the DMC series version of being like, ah, you know, Danny's Inferno, I see. Well, let me show you how it's really done. You know, like <laughs> choosing to kind of do that with this, that subject matter. Um, but that's what I, that's what I am manifesting that they, that they, recognize five as the culmination that it is and that it is time for i think that's i like that you and i are both like yeah just something new something new yeah something whatever new. it is yeah yeah Becky, we've been riffing for like oh my god it's like an hour wait wait a minute yeah an hour and a half but I hour 30 yeah fuck, fucking I, so <laughs> but i want to tangent city that's the name of the episode um but wanted to do a quick um uh courtesy check of um if i have you for any longer or if, if yeah no want. we can keep going keep okay. going fuck yeah, yeah sure. fuck yeah um well that opens us up to uh we've obviously and to keep things rooted in um in kind of your lens which i really really resonate with uh on on games uh and horror right to keep keep things rooted in that and i like that we kind of send people on a couple of different google adventures already um yeah uh, so and uh, this one this one's it's it's kind of it's kind of a, a little bit of a personal thing as well for me is uh when you went into sure. that stuff about siblings, right? With with you know, there is as much as again, sometimes people like roll their eyes and they say, Oh, it's just that shooty game. It's like, no, some people have like gotten fucking devil may cry tattoos and they've bonded as siblings over this stuff. And like who can't relate to that that notion of wanting like fighting for attention or, or and jealousy and all of that stuff. Um, so that that narrative and thematic component of, of family and brotherhood and, and stuff. Is there any kind of dimension in maybe in some of the horror movies you've seen or in literature that you would like to see, even if it's a new set of characters, they do say, Oh, there's no God of war without Kratos. There's no devil may cry without Dante. Do you feel like there can be some iconoclasm there that you, we can maybe, cause we did have V who was pretty prominent in like marketing stuff. And was that maybe was V sort of a, a gauge to see if people could be, prepared for a post post Dante devil may cry. And, and so that's one part of the question. And the other is any particular themes you'd like to see explored like mother daughter or, or uh, uh, someone's uh, uh, like uh, awake, awakening of selfhood or what? So themes and, and yeah, go for it. Um, that's a great question because a lot of the themes that we've seen in the devil may cry series are kind of just like building off of what they had previously. Um, but a lot of them are also kind of, reinventing what they initially were so for example in dmc3 um virgil and i want to get into this like really heavy later when we start talking about like milton blake stuff mm -hmm. virgil is not the enemy of like humankind right mm -hmm. in three he's more so just like this guy that wants both of the amulets to awaken his father's power and dante's in his way so he's like the mm -hmm. nemesis of dante but then in five He's this, like, they take this traumatized villain angle. They build a lot more into his prequel story with the Visions of V manga, mm -hmm. which, by the way, itself adds so much to the Blake connections within Devil May Cry 5. And his villainhood becomes much larger 
in DMC five. He's, he's sucking the blood of the people. And that itself is the church, which Blake criticized of sapping the the childlike vitality from the people. But here it's like a literal, literal. demonstration of that. It's su- they're sucking the blood, the red mm. carmine fluid that fuels them from the people. And so the Clyfoth is like that church. So, but anyway, in terms of themes of like brothers and Virgil and his evolution, I feel like that's been kind of kind of done a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there should be a little bit more with with the with the father. Mm-hmm. I know that he's like outside the picture and like Sparta and such. Um, and he's never been uh really, I guess, I guess it's not so much to make him playable as it to make as it is to make him more like relevant to the storytelling, is to make like Sparta and his whole like um his initial attraction toward Ava and kind of weaving that into a larger story. Um and that kind of goes into like the discussion of like there's many gothic themes within Devil May Cry, which again mm-hmm. was another topic wonderfully covered by that same creator, the gaming muse. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of expressing emotion within Devil May Cry, a lot of emotion coming out, which itself is in li- very in line with Blake's philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of alluring um, the theme of an outsider or a mm-hmm. foreigner or someone different kind of alluring the woman and kind of courting her that's kind of seen in Nero and Kyrie and it's also seen in Ava and Sparta as you it's kind of like Dracula where Dracula has this kind of hold on mm-hmm. on, on attracting these women Lucy Mina, Mina and yeah. here and and Carmilla um having this love for her lover in her novel who is named Laura the main character of that book um there's always this this recurring theme of the kind of outside presence, the demonic, the um, the supernatural, as like yeah. the 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 very tempting, alluring kind of personality, and kind of more details of that in relation of, to like Ava and Sparta. Um, I feel like could definitely build on the story. Um, Nero and Kyrie have their own little universe right now that's kind of like lived on because they have Fortuna and mm-hmm. other characters that we've seen in like the DMC series don't carry that kind of that weight, that legacy of like an entire childhood place and an environment with them. Like for example, uh, Lady and Trish and such, all of their kind of locations aren't like as relevant to the present day, but for being like where it is in the series, I feel like there's more to be explored in terms of Fortuna, in terms of the kind of religious themes there, worshiping a devil as a God. Um, And so there's a lot of directions to go in terms of like expanding on the story, but it's like, it's difficult again to choose because it feels like you've completed a story <laughs> and it okay. feels like the ultimate end end of the story. So it feels like something fresh or something that happened at a different time is like natural to follow mm-hmm. with, but also like some people, you know, that's not very appealing. They want to see a continuation. So like maybe Nero's story when he is on earth, could could amount to something or maybe there's some evil that tries to arise that doesn't have to arise from the underworld from hell it could just arise on its own on its own accord and it's like some other you know which may seem contrived but it ha- if it has more backing i feel like it could make a really good new compelling villain because you know virgil every time is just kind of like something we've run into um, and when the villain's not Virgil, everyone cares less. Like for yeah. four, it was a Sanctus. 
right? Oh, yeah, right. And it's like most people can't even like remember his name or like what he was, just the old guy who gets like beaten up like he's in a boxing match by Nero. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, but I yeah, in that. terms of in terms of Virgil, I feel like I feel like a new prominent villain is kind of like necessary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, both both for the narrative and for um just the sake of like an ongoing series. Okay. Like we need someone new that's like a big bad for sure. Well, what I do love is that you have this thing which I really vibe with, which is when I have riffed with you about something that you actually present like something extremely like I'm not the I'm 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 wrapped like in 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 what you're describing as I'm as I'm sure the viewers and listeners are and I want to attempt to maybe hear them in the ether and maybe they agree with me. This is something that I thought of while you were speaking is um, the, the again, templates are good for, I always see commerce and, and art. I'm not naive. Like I know that they go together. Like someone paid for the Sistine Chapel, like that, that all, you know, that beautiful work of art was, was also a business thing that happened. They were like, well, we need, you know, da, 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 and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. So what I would say is think it's like folks, Hear me, hear me in, in Beggy What we're talking about is going backwards and we're talking about pick your poison, Metal Gear 5 or Metal Gear 3, which is, they were sequels, but they took place in the past and they took place mm-hmm. with another protagonist. And what I'm saying is Devil May Cry 6 should be lead character. We don't know at first because they're marketed in this interesting way as like a stranger, a stranger in a strange land, mm-hmm. but it's a prequel, a Sparta you play a spider. <laughs> okay. Right. So you flesh out this mystery figure in many ways, this the figure that is intentionally, as you said, kept distant. And you said like to, to, you know, like, and, and all of that feels like, okay, maybe the writer, the, the writing team were like, okay, well, this is, has been the theme that's been set across these titles of like the father and who can't relate to that distant absent father. Right. So what right. would be interesting? I love, I, what I love is obviously, you know, um, they have gotten a bad rap. They have with with some of the Star Wars stuff, like the non-additive kind of, you know, <laughs> the wet fart prequel. Like that just kind of goes like, what? Why? Why would you create that? Why would you tell us about that? We didn't care about where Solo got his name, Han Solo mm-hmm. or whatever. But there, but on the other hand, there are ones that like I actually quite like to some degree what Rogue One did, which was when I see Luke in that trench, I know that an entire team of people sacrificed themselves so that he could be there. And, mm. and he's carrying all of their hopes and dreams that they like Felicity Jones and Diego Luna and all of that. Like that's additive to me. And uh, Metal Gear three is also additive because I, it humanizes big boss or whatever. And five is also extremely additive because it contextualizes the father father-son relationship there so what i would love is about two three hours into playing six you maybe have a cutscene, and then you again all this time where, where so it's it's held from us what the stranger is and that's something i like from the zelda things is they it's a lot of mystery at the beginning and um and i would love for you to discover very simply you discover that you're sparta with a flashback of some kind and you just mm. you turn and it's like what's that honey and you turn and you see these two little white-haired children you know playing and then you're like, wow. holy, and then you fucking go, holy shit, this is a wide linear slash like open, open world light tent, like condensed title where you're playing as Sparta on one of his, you know, historical unspoken. I love the idea of like, you never talked about that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we never heard about that. I, I love that idea of filling out that story. And I think it could be done compellingly to the point where the, the, the way that a, a prequel succeeds is that when you then go back to that original, 
like when you're playing, so you play six in 2027 or whatever, and then, you know what, fuck it, I'll play one. And then you you hear that word Sparta and then you're like, ah, oh, I see, I, I understand now because I, I was that and I went through that. And, and that's yeah. why my son feels that way and feels abandoned. And so he would give that heft and emotional weight to that abandonment and, and anger and how, how they modeled themselves on him and rejected it. And, and like, so what, what, what would there be um, merit, Beggy? Would there be merit to a Sparta led prequel as an, yeah. as a, you know? Yeah. I think definitely because so many people appreciated the first game a lot more after three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being that prequel and telling you um, kind of in pieces and leaving a little bit to interpretation, um, Virgil's story, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, how Dante's changed his whole demeanor. Um, he's much more mellowed out in mm-hmm. one. And then he kind of gains his wackiness back in like, in like four. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's that's why it's so beautiful because this is a series that weaves in and out of its own timeline. Its timeline has, has changed before officially uh, flipping around like two and four and like the order of those two. Um, and there are a lot of um, kind of gaps that already lend to like what could be a larger story in terms of Sparta. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that he turned his back on demon kind. So like what associates of any did, did he have um, what, what were his major enemies that weren't like Beowulf and, and mm-hmm. ones that Dante and Virgil already slaughtered. By the way, <laughs> I think it's so beautiful that Sparta took one of Beowulf's eyes and then Dante <laughs> took the other. And yeah. then Virgil just like tore his whole like body. <laughs> like it was just so cool. But there were probably more stories on that end of mm. who did he know? Uh, who were his, his compatriots and how did that affect his life growing up and how is his psyche then kind of d- divvied up between Dante and Virgil? A lot mm. of people think that like Sparta had like the, cause you know, especially cause they're twins. He has that summation of being very carefree and, and well-spirited and being calculated, strong, mm. devious, um, very um, just insightful mm-hmm. and, and neat like Virgil and, but we don't know that. So if we can get more of just an overall look into his character um, Mm -hmm. and his personality, um, because as we've learned through like the demons in this series, like we have generally one archetype of like dumb demon boss that you fight. They all talk (laughs) the same. They all say generally the same stuff. Like you think you could defeat me? No, that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. That is like all over the place. I um, know. But Sparta would be like the intelligent one, the one that yeah. you learn about, the one that you that makes you understand there's like as much humanity in this demon as there is in any human, the classic mm-hmm. theme, right? So giving giving more way to his psyche and how that's kind of divvied up into Dante and Virgil, if that's even true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also going on top of that would, would then enable you to build a new moveset for Sparta. Cause some people are like, yes. Oh, like you've surpassed your father, Dante. You're just like mm-hmm. him, but you're better. But what if Sparta fought like nothing like him? What exactly. if his whole uh, kit is entirely disparate? And um, so all of those ideas have merit in them and they have directions um, to go to that are logical that would then link up pretty well and add cohesion to the larger story. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that too. All right. Awesome. I need to express now that you like my fiance, like lots of people, it makes me 
you have exceptional economy of expression. I tend to waffle a lot. I think who knows what happened in like high school. It's like, did I, did I do that a little bit too much LSD? I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but extremely very, very eloquently expressed. And and I, and, and thank you for um, like, you know, using that zip file analogy, like a couple of the things I mentioned and you just broadened them into in, 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 in ways that I, I hadn't even thought of, 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 um, especially as you meant, like, I all, I always think of copy, you know, that when you're writing copy for, you know, for games and, and feature lists, because these, these are the things that actually get games made. And I'm, I'm never about just blind f- fanning out. Like, I, I always think of like, what are the practical ways? And yeah. what I love about your videos is they feel like a retracing or even a recreation of the story side of um, I, like, f- discovering those narrative thematic footsteps of like what would the writers of Devil May Cry 5 have been maybe exploring when they read this Blake poetry and so you're offering a potential um you know reverse engineered inspiration for what that element was right. and, yeah. as, and as you mentioned at the very end of the video it's like these are inextricable inextricable it's 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 almost it's it's too clear and too evident to not be related you know um, oh yeah which i think is is enormously meritorious uh, uh, and what we're doing here is it very much feels like we've been holding a bit of a, a dmc6 writer's room here it's like where can we go you know and i and yeah. I, I i very much think that this is the copy it's it's it, you know for for five games we have been playing as the sons you know and we, but but now we will find you know we will learn about this like what that war in heaven, you know, Devil May Cry 6, war in heaven. There you go. There's the title, <laughs> right? Or, you know, um, we'll find out, but like, it'll tell the story of when he rejected hell, you know, and maybe the story begins with him starting to say, actually, no, this isn't, this isn't me, you know, and that is an enormously relatable and interesting story to follow a protagonist as they realize, like, I kind of want to escape this world. And, you know, uh, uh, my guest on um, Avatar was mentioning, I just threw it to her. It's like, what's your, because talking about indigenous, um, uh, you know, uh, symbolism and, and the presence of that element in, in Avatar. And I don't know, we, we talk about favorite movies. She said, my favorite movie is Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because, and she talked about how uh, it's one person who is intrigued by another culture, you know? Uh, and, and the thing about, but Sparta is, I, I, I predict a bit of a, a successful Nightmare Before Christmas story where he says, actually, I don't, I don't want to be scary anymore. <laughs> you know, I could right. really vibe with the story of, of this demon prince who is so frightening, uh, you know, then discovering his love for the human world. Like, man, that would be great. So, so now, obviously, if it's not a Sparta prequel, you and I are officially allowed to like get like flame war we can get so angry at them <laughs> just like um, breathing real heavy just, like, yeah really fast exactly um <laughs> but um yeah. no i think that's i think that's really beautiful and it's like clever because you could tell it as a love story between mm-hmm. sparta and ava like the whole like all that rests upon um mm-hmm. his decision the justification is that he loves ava but like did ava have other suitors why why go. is sparta attracted to humans yeah. Why are you different? Um, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be like um, anything that inherently is like in line with like the previous games. It could it could be like a love story. It could be a journey to escape the demon world and like fight your way out mm-hmm. and make it to Ava. 
Yeah. Um, so there's, and then there could be like little, maybe little skirmishes of him being able to leave in, in segments and kind of like meet her. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like a super fanfic. No, it's now, great. It's, it's, if, if it were in the right hands, mm-hmm. then it could be executed really beautifully. And like, um, cause I feel like the love stories that we've had have, have been very charming and cheesy, right? Yeah. Like Kyrie Nero, the lines at the end of four and five, uh, mm-hmm. come to mind the most, most like kind of, I don't know anyone who is as human as you are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, tying back into that larger theme of humanity triumphing over evil and someone's humanity not being tied to their, to their makeup. Mm-hmm. So um, something similar there, I feel like is really natural and it's mm-hmm. like new. It's very natural because I it's like, like she sees the human in Sparta, right? Like mm-hmm. Ava, see, Ava must see it somehow. And he is able to eventually battle his way through. And that would be like, the game i guess oh, and then there you go and then tell more of a story yeah <laughs> I, it sounds I, like a spinoff but it could be if if done more um uh i guess like thoroughly mm-hmm. then it could it could be a mainline entry i could see it sure for sure for sure i i um i think that if you um i just love that you went even further back i was like actually that would be great i would love the epilogue of six to be and ava and dot 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 and ava and uh sparta uh-huh. po- post-credit sequences the the boys are born you know like that would be or or rather you know obviously you know virgil is 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 the older sibling but that would be interesting as the post-credits because you go to the earliest the earliest instance of i always find it so interesting when does the the you know the mind the the mind's cinema the mind's eye like enters the story i always find that imperatively and a narrative imperative is unless you want to disrespect your audience you want to be entering that story at its most narratively intriguing point you know and oh, yeah. two things you, you you phrased it very um you know right 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 on the nail on the head is is uh the love story uh of of someone who's like yeah like realizing that they um you know they're just the like that's uh, who knows what 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 like that inciting, yeah, the inciting incident, you know, of of Sparta. Maybe we even get to see like him enjoying his hellishness and like enjoying all of that. And then he's asked to do something. It's like, that's too far. And it's like, what do you mean too far? Like you're a demon, like nothing's too mm, far for us. Right. And it's like, what is, what is this moralistic awakening? So maybe the early scenes could be this impetuous young Sparta who doesn't really care. And then it's like, what, I have to do what now? Like, but that's a child or that's a whatever, you know, like that. That would be an inc- really intriguing, inciting. I like that there. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, there you go. So, a couple of riffs for folks there, but but Peggy, uh, I don't want to eat up your entire. Way. I mean, I'm sure it's like 10 p.m. there, right? So, 11? True, but yeah. we haven't even gotten into like the good stuff yet. We Once haven't. we start going into the deep stuff, you should put like a like a timestamp. I will. Time. Okay, um, and, and and they dived in, but please lead us, uh, oh depth dweller. <laughs> but, but yeah, as <laughs> as yeah. I was saying before. Um, the best way, again, uh, to learn about the Dante Alighieri Divine Comedy connections, like the Pride of the Lion, the Cerberus mm-hmm. and such, is the Gaming Muses video. Honestly, yep. he does it phenomenally. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of recurring themes in Divine Comedy that mm-hmm. kind of are reworked into Devil May Cry like a lot. There's, the, there's yep. the Gatekeeper. You see the Gatekeeper Cerberus, but then you also see Agni and Rudra. Mm-hmm. Um this common theme there's there's many many gatekeepers in the story of inferno 
Um, and, and there's a lot of sinners that ironically, they have the experience, this poetic reversal of what they originally wanted. Um, so, and, and there's, there's other things too. Uh, one thing that I realized going through say the, the seventh layer of hell, the inner, the inner ring, Mm -hmm. they actually, this, the way that it's presented is a huge desert of fiery sand that is eternally burning the sinners in that, in that level. And so what was so fascinating about that to me, um, and there's, there's these kind of connections plus like so many others in his video. Mm -hmm. Um, that's like, uh, devil may cry three's whole array of demons the seven sins that they're named after they don't bleed blood they bleed sand and it's like they were being bathed and now they've come out of hell and they're still you know they're they're composed of sand and it's like all that's in their makeup it's like it's like they fell out of hell and they're called Mm -hmm. the seven sins and they bleed sand and that's the only game where they do that so i just thought that was super fascinating which is also the game um where you kind of see um, there's, there's a huge chasm in the, I believe, eighth level of Dante's Inferno that is quite akin to like Temony Gru in mm-hmm. Devil May Cry 3, where there's like all these levels and you find various different entities as you go on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always fascinating in Capcom's works, whether it be Onimusha, Devil May Cry, Resident Evil, they, they have some very loosely referenced titles and names and labels of creatures and mm-hmm. of locations and other ones that are that are more relevant to what they actually are. So very varying level of actual inspiration drawn from them. For example, uh, Resident Evil, the zombie dog is called a Cerberus too. Mm-hmm. It's it's not much of a Cerberus. It's just a dog that's a zombie, but it's a Cerberus, right? Mm. But then Devil May Cry, it's the gatekeeper. It's three-headed. Um, in Dante's Inferno, it's actually the gatekeeper of the um, gluttony, the level that is of gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's all these different nuances that take form in terms of how much do they want to draw from these initial references and how much of them are going to inspire how the enemy attacks and such. Um, for example, I always felt like the um, the implementations of the seven sins within three was really fascinating because some of them don't seem like what they would be. Um, but then, But then a lot of them also are just a weird kind of very vague kind of, you have to you have to really imagine how they are something. So for example, sloth doesn't walk anywhere, just teleports around. Sure. Yeah. Sloth, laziness. Right. Exactly. And then, uh, and then gluttony, um, it's a guy with a huge, uh, coffin thing and he's swinging around and then, and then he unleashes new souls. Right. And he spawns new demons. So it's like gluttony is somewhere in there. And then wrath is the guy with the bomb that throws mm. it. Uh, lust, I can kind of see. Lust kind of makes me think of like um, just really crazy, frantic kind of enemy prancing around, doing backflips, yeah. kind of like I guess like sexual arousal. Very strange, yeah, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. I could. So it's just the level that they draw from sometimes is is very varied um, across different games, across different names. There's a couple different, for example, enemies that are based off of Baphomet. And mm-hmm. the pose that he does, there's one in five, and then there's also one in one of the earlier games. So they even overdo, like they redo their own kind of interpretations of what the enemy should be and how they're presented. Um, and I felt, I felt like five um, bringing back the particular array of enemies that it did 
was was kind of clever. Four also had a little bit of remake energy in that sense of like the frost is back, the blades are back. Mm. Um, there's there's these enemies that feel like they're being tied to the environments again. Like they tried it there. Um, and it's like in five, you have I what I think is less, less of that, less of tying something to its environment. Um, the frost and the blades. Um, there is there is no frost, but the blades are like these new kind of creature, this like reptile spinning thing. So they all just keep evolving and ch- from varying degrees, they draw from the original sources. So yeah. Um, and there's also one really fascinating thing about DMC2. Um, which is like a larger discussion about what happens to some Capcom stories. Right. Um, And that is bad localization where a lot is lost (laughs) in translation. And this is another video by the gaming news, by the way, of you would like it a lot. Um, I'm going to dive in. You would love it because um, I think the title of it is like DMC two is actually good or something. Oh yeah. Um, And and it talks about how there are some um, Taoist and like Buddhist implications, implications within no no text. i love the word implications you have to use that from now on it's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. no no but i agree uh, yeah no and oh my gosh the gaming muse needs to be on this show and uh-huh. and because i think that's the third or fourth and then shouts out like that's a, i love that especially showing yeah. love to my beloved dmc too but please continue oh yeah um but yeah there's there's a lot lost in translation there those little yeah. messages in dmc2 before you start the mission um, they're, they're there in three too, but in three, they're, they're just generic, right? Yeah. In two, they actually meant something, but they're translated in a way that kind of really <laughs> muffled what the original meaning was. And so like a lot of Resident Evil games, especially like Revelations 2, a lot of the meaning is lost with the localization. And then going back to the original Japanese lines uh, reveals a lot about what the initial um, kind of thematic relevance would have been. And that mm. is also true for some of DMC too. I don't think there's not quite as much in line with like a direct source, such as like one for like bits of like Dante's Inferno and yeah. five for like Blake um, and such, but there is still something there that I felt mm. like would have really elevated the game. And I feel like that's the game that would have needed it anyway. So, totally. but yeah. Um, so I guess we could move on, talk a little bit about how like Milton and his whole, like we do like a little bit of a mini history lesson. We have of, like, to talk about Milton. How yep. We could talk about Milton first and then kind of go into Blake and see how like Blake drew from like different um, thinkers of, mm-hmm. of multiple periods. Um, mm-hmm. One of them being Immanuel Kant, another mm-hmm. one being Emanuel Sweden, Swedenborg. Mm-hmm. And so um, with, with Emanuel Swedenborg, he has a concept um, that could be described as is the entire heaven resembles one man. So every society of heaven resembles a man in lesser form. And oh. this, is, yeah. And, and so this kind of led onto Blake's concept of Albion and how, so Albion is actually this, this um, part of Blake's mythos that is like the initial being that was there before anything. And it was then divided into the four Zoas. And that is something that is like um, a, a reconfiguration, a reinvention of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and Satan. So those oh, those four, the, the, yeah, that actually comes from the initial Albion. And so 
thinkers like Kant and Swedenborg had this, this philosophy that man already knows what is good and bad. He has morality. And, and then Blake took that further and said that um, if man, if, if God is everything, including man, then man is everything, including heaven and hell. And then this is where he started to pull more from, from Milton and Milton believes that heaven and hell and the best, the greatest heaven, the greatest hell are, are in, internal. And a Absolutely. lot of them are amplified by our own delusions. So we could be, we could have all of the material gain and, and wealth and luxury in the entire world, but we could still be miserable. It could, we could still be in hell or we could be suffering through the greatest adversity and we could still see ourselves in heaven. Um, thus his, his famous line, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell or a hell of heaven. And so our capacity for self-delusion is limitless, which is kind of where you see little bits of like Milton also in Virgil's mm -hmm. story, because everything in Virgil's story is based off of that one crucial incident, the night or the day rather, um, mm -hmm. that his mother was brutally murdered and he was impaled by the demon's blades, which then has all sorts of implications um, for Blake's, all sorts of tie-ins um, within Blake's poetry, especially within his book, Songs of Innocence and Experience. Mm. And so where Milton has this idea that um, we have paradise and fall, we have these two states, but in within our internal mind is the reality of those states. That's where they are actually um, amplified or reduced to whatever capacity, capacity that we can. And then Blake takes this um, paradise and fall concept and he is very heavily inspired by it. And he has two states of interpretation, this mode of duality and it's innocence and experience. So paradise, fall, innocence, experience. And these are all like classical romantic ideas of mm -hmm. reinventing the original Christian Bible and painting Satan as a different figure than he was, um, allowing people to see Satan as heroic, ambitious, clever. We're getting um, close to talking about Jung, my friend. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> we really are, because he that that is that was definitely in his latter life. He, he he says, I was analyzing, I was looking at satyrs and and centaurs and all these other like you know figures from. Um, folklore, but also you know the you know Satan himself, is, and I was like I was mm -hmm. psychoanalyzing them and discovering their different sides, and 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 that's why um, Blake was iconoclastic in that way, and 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 Milton in some sense too by by humanizing, and I mean what is Devil May Cry if not a humanization? Uh, devil of, May Cry, of devils, yeah, that's what it is, a humanization of a complete subversion of our mm -hmm. conventional expectations of what evil creatures and and satan and the devil should be it's all it's about title. subverting that it's about making the evil present within humans arkham is like the classic example um making the good come out in the devils mm -hmm. and kind of just spinning all those around and blake thought that was genius that milton yep. did that and that's why he was just so inspired to create works such as the marriage of heaven and hell which is obviously extremely um, problematic for the Anglican <laughs> church. Um, and as was most of his work, you know, he was like every romantic Blake was very hell bent on originality. 
And his guiding principle was that I must create a system or be enslaved by another man's. I will Mm -hmm. not reason and compare. I must create. And so Mm -hmm. all of this, this reinvention and all all of these subversions of conventional, what is a God? What is a devil? Who is Satan? um, And, and how do they govern the way that, that we live our Mm -hmm. lives are all being challenged. All of these traditional ideas are being attacked and dismantled by these romantics who feel like their own discovery of truth, usually in nature, because they love mm-hmm. nature. They think nature is the one thing that, especially Blake felt that nature is proof that not everything was made by man. Everything Absolutely. in nature is, is the igniting of a divine spark of man meeting God. Mm-hmm. And so and so in nature, you could find truth. And in, in his truth, it was, you know, taking all of these traditional ideas, the Garden of Eden, uh, the Holy Ghost, Father, Son, Satan, and creating his, his own mythos. Pantheon, um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and so he has all of these different um, books. And, and one of the largest themes that you'll see across many of them is the expression of emotion and um, the battle between the traditional suppression of feelings within the the British church mm-hmm. and the wanting to dismantle that and the wanting to um, the desire for the open expression of all emotion and any urges should be let free, whether they're sexual desire, whether they're um, any any kind of urge that you can express mm-hmm. should be let out and that is yeah. like the message within so many of his works and then the other guiding principle is the kind of the spirit of rebellion himself um he was the born t- in a time mm-hmm. of so many revolutions revolutionary wars french american and his parents themselves were dissenters so they were like heretics in and of themselves he was almost born into a position of being a heretic and, and what's dante and- sword's name rebellion okay all right you know what i mean <laughs> i didn't even realize that it's right? cool there you go yeah um, um all i'm gonna say is is again that that concept of wielding rebellion as an instrument um like as as, as beggy very beautifully has expressed here and then also at the end of her essay as well about like um yeah uh, I, I like i said i'm actually at the point where i'm not quite evangelical but I'll, I'll be pretty zealous about it i'll say it's like it's almost as though you really haven't um, really experienced the thing if you haven't seen this other compartment, you know, and uh, this, this is completely, um, especially with all the alignments you're, you're sort of highlighting uh, between, especially, I love that idea of that sequence of Milton into Blake into, you know, and my, even myself, mm-hmm. I've got, um, so what I do is, uh, you know, I've got the media stuff, but I also, um, in my own way, I um, enjoy the idea of the synthesis of, of myth- mythology. So I, I've created this thing called the quantum myth, which is my own Blakeish way of saying like, so in that way that Blake kind of broke down everything and then built things up to, yeah. through, through his own lens, I made sure that I hadn't done, this is pretty early into like mythological inquiry or whatever. And, and what you always find is, is it, it does usually center. And I just, I kind of, kind of stream of consciousness, it all out. And there is a central figure and it, but it is the form and void. So form being, you know, as Jung would say that, that uh, the, so void being the, the original, the womb from tomb to womb, which is Joseph Campbell, um, mm. the feminine, the void. 
and then the masculine that enters into that the light that sparks right that creates light which oh. is basically egg and sperm kind of thing right imagery right. it all all comes down to ones and zeros you know mm-hmm. uh, that's why planet earth shaped like a zero should be this isn't like white knighting but i just think we should have <laughs> way more women leaders because it's like the planet itself is is female shaped so anyway mm-hmm. um and and so then i in my own way like what you do sense though is that idea of a one and then splitting into a two and then see that that pantheon of father son holy spirit ghost Mm -hmm. it's the splitting into more and that's generally again even in norse myth it's the central figure it's emir you know the 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 main giant that his blood spills and then out of the blood comes the other denizens and without even i was not i had no conscious myth in my mind when i was doing quantum myth stuff because i wanted it there's like what's one person's kind of like plucky attempt to synthesize mythology and it's this absorption of it and then this um expression so this metabolization and then this mm. this 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 catharsis and and i ended up like with the eight elements that came out so this central figure split into so i call him the prime entity the prime entity splits into two form and void form and void are they find kinship in each other because they are the polarities of of each other so they are the furthest thing from each other and yet um, because they are the furthest thing from each other, they are similar because they are both extremes, you know? Mm. Um, and then, and that's so much there with um, why, you know, Satan was cast from heaven, all this like stuff that I ended up finding. But this is stuff, Veggie, that like is in the seat of the human, like atoms, like it's in our, mm. regardless of barriers of culture or, or geographic, you know, um, location and, and history. It's like, that's why it is this stuff that is all permeating, you know? And that's what I, I, I so love about what we're going to dive into. You basically outlined like the show, like when you went into yeah. all of that, I was like, well, that, that's it. Like, thank you. Wait, mm-hmm. It's literally what I want this entire show to be is, and we have to, obviously, if you, if you could confirm so that it's in recorded form, I'm sure maybe, uh, hopefully the answer is yes, but would you definitely be jumping back like to, to dive into sure. this stuff? Like, yeah. fuck yes. Hell yeah. Am I right? Like, like semi like scholarly academic, but then having a bunch of fun, but then elucidating and eruditing and um, uh, edifying, excuse me, um, erudition through erudite people like yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah. Have you ever, cause you're a writer, right? And like, Oh my God, I can't believe we didn't talk about it. Please dive into what you're writing about my friend. I know you said some horror stuff. Oh, my novel. Yeah, well, of course, like, and, and everything. So sure. yeah, writing of all kinds, go. Um, okay, so this is a story that actually came about from multiple weird, um, not, not, not weird, I guess, just mm-hmm. uh, a couple of urgent happenings in my life, um, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of the folklore that I already am very well versed in, and I enjoy very much. Uh, namely, there is some Slavic folklore built into this, um, and there's also some Japanese folklore, um, and kind of reinventing those in a fashion that appeals to people um, that would read any horror novel nowadays. So mm-hmm. it kind of brings those elements to the modern day, and it shows how they could kind of reappear in a new form. And so the premise is that there's this entity, that's all I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. And it operates in a very particular fashion. Um, it has a way of reproducing and it's very particular. Um, so it kind of makes its way through the food chain 
through um, ingestion and digestion. So there initially there will be plants that are consumed by say cows, right? Mm -hmm. And then there will be cows that are slaughtered on a farm. Mm -hmm. And then the people will eat those cows. And so through all of these different organisms, this entity will birth its children, but it will act as, as one kind of mind. Mm -hmm. And it has the ability much like the Oni um, to actually take whatever guys it wants. It could change into whatever gender it could change into whatever face um, and act in the human world because it is, because it is supremely intelligent. Um, and so there is, I could tell you something that would kind of spoil go. it, but I, that's okay. okay go for sure. it. Yeah. Um, so, so in a sense, there is a man who is mm -hmm. a very high seat in a university. It's very well-respected. Um, and, and he has a lot of different works on the paranormal and different entities that he's tried to bring to light in this university. And this creature actually, um, in coming contact, in contact with this man, um, is able to usurp him from his own body. And so he, um, this, this creature, the entity actually takes over and acts as this man in real life. He teaches like lectures and stuff. And then that's like the whole framing of the novel, but then the characters that go to investigate, um, they don't, they don't know they're investigating anything. What happens is that, um, through that same cycle of transferring the essence of that creature, they, make some tacos for taco night to graduate, <laughs> yeah. to celebrate their college graduation. It's a group of friends. Some of them mm -hmm. are highly inspired by my friends. Nice. <laughs> uh, Hell yeah. And, and there's a lot of, there's, there's, well, not, not a lot. There's some of me in it, in it too. Oh, hell yeah. Um, okay, cool. But yeah. And so the actual creature, um, it's, it's essence is, is then put into the cows uh, in that city. They go and buy the meat that was slaughtered with mm -hmm. that essence in it and they ingest it. And so each of them have a sort of strange entity um, that is that is within them. It doesn't always come out. It comes out in different ways for each of the friends. And they have to kind of like determine what it is. And as they determine um, the danger that is that is spreading with this creature and around that same city that they are visiting, um, they visit this university, not the same one they graduated from. This is somewhere else. This is somewhere mm. they're visiting. So classic or going yeah. to a new location. Let's like celebrate with some tacos tonight in this, yeah. in this, in this uh, nice Airbnb. It's an Airbnb so mm -hmm. that it could be more um, of like a, like an elegant estate. It's not like any Airbnb I've ever seen. It's like, something super extravagant okay and so right. they're staying here and when when they when they understand what's going on with them they they want to fix these weird outbursts they've had uh they've been having from consuming and ingesting this this weird substance mm. um that was in the beef they go looking for answers at the university um and they have an actual discipline dedicated to occult studies much like they have in japan japan oh. has entire disciplines and majors dedicated to, to studying the paranormal like that this university has them and that 
um, eventually, inevitably, they meet the actual entity itself. They don't know though because he's the fucking professor. This he's is like a. This is like a. Um, um, would you say act four or five revelation uh, of of the of the professor being yeah, like really part late. of the entity? Fuck yeah. yes, because um, yeah. we can talk on that sort of storyteller. That's what quantum myth and all that. There's like spin off stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Fucking uh, okay, immediately, and I have to express because you have to. It's important not to <laughs> repress when you feel that. I want to, I really fucking want to read this, Peggy. When, when, when is the question? When, when Um, maybe? I'm okay. I'm like writing a lot for the opening sequence. I also have a good amount of the um, actual trip and the go to get tacos and the whole like dynamic between the heroes mapped Uh out. Um, So in terms of like what goes on in the novel, I have like a good chunk of it mapped out in terms of actual prose that I've written um, like a couple chapters. Um, and the prologue yeah. is like, is a huge prologue. I'm actually thinking I might make it like that. My current chapter one might just become like chapter two or three. And then the prologue bleeds into the actual, okay. um, the book because of how um, it might be more significant in that way. And it would be more natural because then you'd have a prologue that's longer than every other chapter. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the initial setup, most of the prologue, I've actually put the snippets up on Twitter um, so I've had people, I've just been sharing it like for pretty much like a few times a week. Um, and I love the sequence where you initially get a taste of, of what's going on. The, the, the characters and all of the frights are, are almost never for just demonstration to show off the entity. Like a lot of horror does. They're almost always connected to the plot That's in great. a really weird way. Um, there's a man in the beginning who experiences a lot of the process that the entity actually uses to gain energy, which you can almost think of as akin to like photosynthesis, but using That's... plasma. So the guy is like a smoker. If he's a farmer, mm-hmm. um, Julian mm-hmm. is the opening character um, and he's just flicking on his lighter. Um, I wrote it in a very like elusive kind of long winded, almost like Kafka ish style, okay. like Fuck very yeah. weird public puzzling kind of loops and turns and shit. And so Julian is actually smoking and that flame from his lighter is the plasma that the creature is drawing from and he sees that it's like turning this really weird like lurid azure color and it's kind of bleeding away um and the embers that fall off of a cigarette you know they're like orange little embers yeah. that like flake off and fall with the ashes those are blue and he's oh like what God. the fuck it's is like- going on and then um eventually there is a chant that starts happening and the chant uh, each of the little each of the lines of the chant have a first half and a second half and the second half is this like really disgusting distortion of the first half. Um, oh I spent God. like multiple paragraphs on how on, on how the second <sighs> line is the second half is like different because I thought it was just really cool. Um, but it's them. like it's like a sort of um, paranormal nighttime uh, using pl- forms of plasma form of photosynthesis. So it uses mm-hmm. the flame there, um, and there's also a flash of lightning, and it and it uses that. So it's just mm. lightning is plasma, fire is plasma, um, and, it, and it uses those to then kind of sap the energy of different light forms and spread its influence to then spread into like the next um, patch of grass or into That's the next like absolutely thing. intriguing and and terrifying because formlessness, right? Like mm-hmm. cannot be grass, cannot be hunted, right? Oh, mm-hmm. and the only one who knows that to that extent is the man who mm. uh the the head of the that occult department because he was the one that awakened it initially and then he got fucking replaced by yeah. the actual thing by the fucking so, like thing. it's now they have to learn it from scratch and be like what oh the fuck God. do i do 
Yeah. Well, I actually thought you were going to say like he is this like he's helping the youngsters and it's like and the, maybe one of the they're the, like they're like well he knows a lot about it. It's like well he's researched it. He's like he's the head of the faculty or whatever. And how that's that is a um uh a lattice lattice like cuz one thing with horror films and horror stories that makes you go like makes you, your your gut sink. It's like like that one thing that people were maybe appending their hope on or hinging their hope on is uh-huh. is the is the dread is is the killer is that is is the thing they thought they was like you think you're safe but right like that's so it's very kind of plays on that as well but um so title probably not yet right you're, you're no still I, on- I have a title i, I actually are- thought of the title like first thing because it seems so obvious okay cool um, go the, t- the title the thing is about this creature to explain this title too mm-hmm. is that the creature actually manifests itself in someone's bowels. So All right. After after the plant phase, after mm-hmm. a plant is in, ingested by an animal, the animal mm-hmm. has the the entity within its its intestines, its large mm-hmm. intestine, and so um, there's a character in the novel who has a certain type of condition. I'm not going to say where it came okay. from. Okay. It's kind of obvious, but mm-hmm. um, where where I got that idea, but um, there's this character who has a condition with her bowels, mm-hmm. and it is like extremely painful. She has ulcers in her, in mm-hmm. her bowels mm-hmm. and they flares up. Um, that is the basic premise of what happens to those who ingest this. Mm. Um, it is like kind of like a paranormal uh, re reinvention of, of that concept, okay. of that yeah. concept of, of having yeah. that inflammation. It's like this, this pulsing flashing red, um, that you feel this like brutal pain. Um, oh, and, and that plays she, on so many fears. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's so it's like a, uh, it's also, so it's like paranormal and folkloric, but it's also mm-hmm. a bit of body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the character who has it already actually has um, a substance in her body uh, due to her heightened awareness at, of such a um, type of substance in her body mm-hmm. where she is actually the only one who is able to resist it. And it creates this very violent clash mm-hmm. that um, mimics what, what a uh, flare would actually look on the inside of someone's bowels, which is like a really big red flash because the create, the entity is clashing against her body, which is the only, <sighs> only those with those condition can, can kind of combat it that way. It's like, I already know what that is. Get the fuck, get it the fuck out of my body. And and so, and so the title is Vermilion Pulse because it's Mm. a red flash of like pulse. Fuck yes. All right. So um, I would love for you to um, look, as I mentioned with your video, and I think it's something you infuse in everything you do, which is like, I applaud you for this. I'm very unfettered when I just sort of take someone aside and say like, you're living right. Like keep doing that. Um, It's clearly something that is, uh, you know, I like, I love that idea of someone living as who they are for a living. It's the completion of that circle. <laughs> and I, I truly, I truly manifest that for you. And that's why everything's going to be, I know you've done so beautifully and earnestly, like, and self-effacingly like signal boosting others throughout the sh- show, but then it's on me to like, okay, we're bringing it back to Beggy because Beggy right here, it's all in the description. Please jump on her Patreon. Um, I'm, I take it um, Patreon folks will maybe get some early access to some Vermilion Pulse uh, content chapters, perhaps, you know, that they can read. Maybe uh, I'm already kind of okay. giving those up for free. <laughs> to be honest. Okay. I'm, okay. I don't, I don't put a lot on my Patreon that isn't glad already available. Okay. I just, yeah. it's there for the, it's there for people who want to go the extra mile, but yeah. 
don't at all feel pressured to because you only get all the stuff anyway so i and i'm i'm the exact same and i always find that that um is is the most authentic some people have turned it like you know the the kind of funnies and the um you know duck duck feet have completely like shouts out to them they let they left the conventional everything they just they're just on patreon now right (laughs) it's trippy (laughs) and i'm like okay wow they did that and they brought their their listenership with them but what i resonate about what you are doing is because so much of what you um you know um create discourse around and analyze it is is this universal universal themes and 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 when i mentioned that about vermilion pulse which is now i'm fucking i'm not kidding like i cannot fucking wait to read that and if we could and like let's make another tier for this on the patreon folks if you want beggy to narrate the audiobook for vermilion pulse Okay, <laughs> that would be fucking cool, right? I mean, you have a, you definitely have the voice for it. I would say someone definitely asked about that. Um, yeah, and because I was doing um, readings of Resident mm-hmm. Evil novels, mm-hmm. so I was just like throwing those up too. And then they yeah. were doing like, oh, you should just do the reading of your own book. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you'll we'll see. You should. I think you. I don't know if you've maybe um, if there was touchstones for you with uh, the way certain people speak, but when you speak, I get that 1989, early 90s like um uh you know paranormal horror like like classy paranormal horror um horror uh documentary kind of narrative oh, okay. it's just yeah it's uh someone told me i don't know who this is but uh i got told a few times in the comments of various like row videos uh personal channel videos of people saying like um it sounded like daria 90s daria i don't know oh, who yeah? that is interesting I don't know it's who so that funny is, but, yeah. So the diary didn't come, but the, definitely there's a quality and some people um, have maybe things that uh, I can't think of anyone immediately, but um, that they just pick their era. And I like that also you have an accent. Mine is this weird kind of, <laughs> I spent so, I have Australian, but then I, I grew up on American TV. So it's this kind of car, car, car crash of an accent. But um, so now I, uh, yeah, that it, it opens up a lot, I think for, for um for vermilion oh, which i love that name i i you don't understand big i fucking love nomenclature vermilion pulse works so well as two words together uh, i know i know it describes you know the um the novel did you did you have that thing where the, the the word came and then the story followed is that something maybe that happened no i had the um the concept first and then i kind of thought of like what archetype it should follow and it's like uh-huh. If if you think about like how there's a hiding entity in the body of like a really um, you know highly esteemed man, uh, mm-hmm. very functional in society, very well respected, Vermilion, um, it's right. it's a Dracula archetype, it's a Carmilla mm-hmm. archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like that's like the story. But then like the actual um, title came from literally just the pain that it would cause to have that mm-hmm. and to and to clash with the entity if you already have it. So oh, it's just like it's- the visual. It, it 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 follows in that tradition which I love of it's an enigmatic title, but then by the end of the story you realize, like for example, like the ring, you realize like that's what it's re- it's referring to when she would lo- have you seen the ring? <laughs> of course you have. I have, yeah. <laughs> uh when she looks up, what she saw is a ring, you know, like and I just I've I've always found that idea of that particular, you know shiver that you get of realizing what the title meant uh oh, at, at, a cer- at a certain point in the story. It's um what a, what a gift. Also, this is, I already suspected there'd be kinship and resonance. Like throughout the course of this, like almost fucking coming on maybe three hours conversation, seriously, mm. like levels upon levels of like absolute gratitude. Like I swear, like I, 
already friends in that kind of e-verse and the sort of like written stuff, but like absolute like just stoked. Like and like very glad to count myself as a friend of yourself. And mm-hmm. you're definitely like whatever, like honorary, come to Australia, all of that, like that all applies <laughs> if you're ever planning. We definitely have some intriguing and kind of spooky folklore here as well to, ex- uh-huh. to explore. Um, I guess so, yeah, that's just me and uh, having to really make sure that across all of this, like really honestly, like some of the riffing, especially with, um, I'm so glad we went into that horror realm. And that now, because I just, it's so funny. I had just, this morning I was like tidying the house. I was listening to Yokai um there's um, oh, okay there was a it's a podcast called mega strange and they were diving into all of these like in, uh, we, i just had the whole onibaba story explained to me you know mm. which is she's such a fascinating yokai and i was like mm. i actively had the thought of like wh- why don't we have like the York, the onibaba series because like across that entire span like she could have been this central kind of um figure to so many i, I love the idea of um a horror that's just been there forever and will continue to be there forever. Oh, that, un- that unresolvable nightmarish thing that it's like, they you'll never kill it. Right. And I'm assuming, yeah. I don't want to assume, but I just think as something so um, almost, yeah, non-corporeal, you know, like um, formless, formless terror is, so it's, it's tough because you you know you you move away from that anthropomism which um some people are like well you know that's the easiest kind of way to kind of get people um is if you have the monster at eye level kind of thing but i've always mm-hmm. been so intrigued by the the sort of the new frontier of um of uh you know and i i, I just love i now i'm thinking about what does that thing if it's inside you what kind of what does it do to your mind? Like, what does it oh, make yeah. you see? And that's why I immediately think of like interpretations visually with, you know, Vermilion Pulse 2032 in some director kind of wants and make sure you got like, that's a fucking great conceit for a novel. It really is. And, and um, when, when you're, re- when you're even just hearing about the premise of a novel and it's immediate, immediately summoning visuals because you are a visual person yourself with like the yeah. films and, and the game. Um, I love visually informed and uh and eclectically informed horror like mm. um and so now i mean that that launches a whole thing because in about about like a month or so ago i was like fuck it i love horror i know i want to discuss this so i started like now it's it's you're probably going to get some of the because i'm sure you've been followed by a couple of the network accounts yeah so mm. i call it the fleet um so just the horror films in general which i want to discuss because of all the immensely merit like additive and worthwhile things to to launch off of because uh horror and games actually had a similar evolution where we moved away from thinking of them as this base kind of thing and now they're getting pretty like sophisticated and really yeah. interesting and stuff so mm-hmm. i think they're sort of siblings in a way do you have any riffs on that yeah um <laughs> it's it's this idea um this is something like really central to um the edo period of japan but mm-hmm. it's like the idea of of, of sharing stories mm-hmm. and then having that story kind of evolve over time kind of like theater be retold mm-hmm. and such um there is a uh, something in oh this is a great book of yokai by the way it's literally called the book of yokai Hell by yeah. michael foster it's uh, amazing it, it reveals a lot about how these stories have proliferated over the years and um, they have a practice in the Edo period of Japan called the uh, Hyaku Monogatari, which is night of 100 stories. And there's a bunch of participants in a room, more than 100, right? Because there had to be some left. And by left, I mean that 
They light a hundred andon, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a type of can like lighting thing, like a lantern, mm-hmm. Japanese lamp, lantern kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so they light a hundred of them. Uh, what everyone does when they play this game is they tell one scary story, one individual account. It could be folkloric. It could be from the past, whatever mm-hmm. they, um, and then after telling the account, they blow out that on like that lamp thing. That, okay. And then they leave the room. And then Ooh. after a hundred stories have been told, whoever is left in the room is um, deeply, you know, frightened because yeah. they feel that the paranormal have this elevated ability to kind of like just seep and bleed into the, into the real life. And it is very exciting for them. So that the sharing of horror stories over time and kind of um, how games have like really evolved with the narrative aspect, because everything now competes with like, books and movies like whether you have like uh games whether you have like interactive mediums mm-hmm. um the the desire to tell a story well and the need to to succeed commercially mm-hmm. is like greater than it has ever been so like at the same rate that like horror is getting more sophisticated and and stories are being shared and kind of like mixed and like different stories are becoming like amalgams of different folklore like what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. um and what so many other people you know have looked at as well um you see this evolution of like storytelling across like so many mediums. And it's like, I mean, it is really cool to see because then you get to see um, it, it's kind of like the same way that I like to like re- reverse engineer someone's like inspirations to do something. I like to kind of look at like the meaning behind many of like uh, films and how much of that pertains to like the base material, for example, like Midsommar. How much of that oh, actually pertains film. to the festival in Sweden, which which I have read about like very mm-hmm. extensively and researched since then, because I'm very fascinated by paganism and the eight Sabbaths. Um, so things like that that are just gateways into like real life influences um, make you appreciate them more, like no matter the what medium they're presented in. Okay, so um, like I said, I feel like I've met a def- like a deep kindred spirit here seriously like Mm -hmm. that was speaking entirely my language okay so had to say that you also would heavily resonate with um robert eggers and i do we do the a24 community podcast as well um Mm -hmm. he said he dove he's like he actually it's titled the witch a new england folktale oh i love that yeah i love love you've seen that film oh i love it so deeply ready boo Oh my God, that fucking, oh my fucking God. <laughs> Can't handle that film. Uh, and he said like, when I was researching it um, and he went into the accounts, like he would go to, as like, you know, my fiance says it in her studies too, it's primary source. Like mm-hmm. you, Beggy, exemplify why I'm interested in games in so many ways, which is which is if if we don't see things as 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 invitations, as doors into the deeper level of something, then what are we doing? We're just sort of what, just partying on the surface? Like, no, take take your lamp and your torch with me, and let's go into the yeah, catacombs. Exactly. Let's fucking go deeper and deeper and deeper, because that it is an endless. Like you can go forever. It it doesn't end, you know, um, in terms of influences, and because and also you bring yourself closer to it. It's more effective. Uh, you. Um, you also gain to cherish the thing over, over many years, you know? Um, and I also quite love the idea of fan commentaries because people who like, they see the thing and they, they do their own research and they bring their own unique perspective, of course, but um, it, it not only brings it closer to you emotionally and personally, but it brings it closer to the real world. <laughs> so yeah. like, when you read some of the accounts and he's like, yeah, sometimes I just went to these like 
which trial transcripts and i just lifted that dialogue for then the, these actors you know ralph innocent and and people to speak directly and um wow yeah i know right and and i've always found that idea of finding something intriguing and actually wanting to bring it closer through in- deeper inquiry you know um so you've basically auto hired yourself for like seven other fucking podcasts on this goddamn show baby <laughs> <laughs> seriously we do literature we do the horror stuff, the A24 specifically, because I think A24, someone made some artwork, Veggie. I'll show it in the Don't Be Lazy Albert in the edit right now. Okay. It is it is uh, Marvel Cinemas, and it's the, they've got their own merits, but it's called The Battle for the Future of Cinema, and it's wow. all the characters from A24 with, like, Hereditary and Midsommar and, like, The Witch facing off against, like, Wonder Woman and whatever the fuck, like, okay. all that kind <laughs> of Marvel stuff. It's, like, The Battle for the Future of Cinema because... um. And I love the lighthouse so much. And we, mm. I could easily just, this, there is enchantment in the light. And I could easily discuss like, uh, did you watch The Green Knight, by the way, uh, with the Dev gr- Patel? No. Okay. Is. So it's, it's A24 and, and, and Dev Patel plays Sir Gawain, who is this very, um, George, um, J.R. Tolkien did his own translation of it. So The Green Knight is this very interesting, um, I feel like sending you, I'll send you a thing in, in, soon but um a24 okay. same same studio as the witch it's a it's a very strange book like it should have it should have been destroyed like um um it survived with and it has anonymous it's no one knows who wrote it as well which is also okay. very wow. very interesting and uh david lowry um created a, a fable about it uh it veers into the kind of intriguing kind of horror realm it's an adventure story um dev patel kills it as as sir Gawain. Um, mm. and it's, it's a lot of the familiar faces you'll see from so, some of the A24 films and mm. it's, um, got some pretty fucking scary imagery too. So, uh, yeah. I also, obviously, I don't know, you've probably obviously done podcasts before, but if you are like working on a video and stuff and just had thoughts, fucking chuck on the voice memos app and like do the beggy beg podcast. Like it would be so rad, but obviously mm-hmm. you're auto invited to everything here. And I'll always chime in and be like, yo. Beggy, we got to talk about so and so, like, uh, like probably Japanese horror director that you recommended me that I need to oh like. I need to him, like, yeah. I, I need to like completely, um, uh, you know, take up <laughs> take up your time on. But you know, hopefully, I offset that by the with with the um, Patreon patronage, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, Definitely, for sure, for sure. Well. Um, so, folks, I'm sure that when you tuned into this episode, you were not expecting <laughs> this level of tan- tangent exploring eclecticism, which is absolutely, if you've known me for however long, uh, you know, that, that's exa- it's, it's the only reason I, I'm, I'm intrigued in this is I, I hate that, that uh, you know, horse blinders to everything else. I think it's always additive to go down tangent. And I'm so glad you, I, not only you followed me down tangents, but I followed you down more as well. <laughs> yeah, <great>. true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, so, I'm down to, you know, like it says double yeah. make high podcast, but like, who cares? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, exactly. We're just meeting each other. We are meeting each other. Exactly. So I'm, I'm very honored and, and very stoked as well. Um, as soon as the faintest whisper lady of anything that we start to see of um, the long rumored um, silent Hills, like let's, let's go. Right. Like mm. let, let's, Let's talk about that because um, that will be also very interesting to see how they they move forward with that. Um, if they do, we'll if, see. If, if they do, we'll see. If we'll they see. ever do, that's right. Um, and then who knows what nine's going to be for 
for for resident evil but um but yeah so thank you jeez uh we are looking at what is it one th- oh my god 139 this was such a blast i think it's one of the longest one i've recorded for a while like such a blast so yeah this is great like <laughs> i i love um how how particularly like nice a lot of our interests like have yeah. kind of shown out mm-hmm. to be similar tonight sure. and i love the level of nuance that you brought to like every part of the discussion so yeah thanks right so much thanks so much for inviting me like i was excited to do this um a while back like initially me too. We were first talking about yeah um there is there was a lot going on um, there was yeah but it was it was great that we got to meet and do this again and for yeah i think i think for what we um kind of touched on for dmc was like was was pretty cool it was pretty mm-hmm. adequate i feel like that plus like some of the supplementary supplemental material for like videos and such plus this discussion mm-hmm. would like be really good for a lot of people mm-hmm. um and otherwise just like you know brainstorming what what the next theme could be sparta and such like that was that was great so i really yeah. enjoyed that it, re- yeah. it really was absolutely so like enlightening and and mm-hmm. uh intriguing and it launched all kinds of new concepts and and areas that i hadn't explored before um but you you walked right into it like you know we we have to have all all the different conversations going forward mm-hmm. i'm really stoked and uh yeah and so as i'll mention again uh this has been um you know please go to beggy bag bags patreon like right now <laughs> you've you've had three plus almost three hours of just like hard solid evidence of like why this is one of the most worthwhile creators on youtube right now okay doing her thing shouts out and um and I am very, very stoked for the next one. But now what what is the rest of, of your day gonna be? Obviously it's like like twelve, was it like eleven thirty? It's, it's not that late. It's ten forty one. Oh, ten forty one? Okay. Uh-huh. And so I two- have like the slightest fever still. Um, oh yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I love how I was able to like still do this. It yeah. was like a great time still. Cause I mean I, I feel good. I just have it and it's just there. So <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> But, well, you are, you need to do a, a LinkedIn course on like how to, I don't know, you, I somehow at no point thought that you were like, um, I, is actually, as soon as we click, oh, it's gonna, you're just going to start sneezing because you've been repressing it. <laughs> I've just been time. trying to mute and like sniffle and like drink water. Basically. Really? All it this worked. Time? I mean, okay. yeah. Okay. It- so nicely done. Um, uh, so you've been stealth muting this whole time, like a, st- like a muting ninja. Oh my gosh. I- I have. I mean, I've been I've been trying to carefully mute myself when you have like a larger talking point, and then like okay. I'll like sniffle, which only looks like this. I didn't. Right, not it's very. That it's so like, I'm just like kind of like sucking and stuff, and like are a ventriloquist. Water. You're like a yeah. <laughs> like a, a a fever ventriloquist. I really dig that. Oh my. Um, and then we have to have a Goosebumps episode. Talk about that early, like the, the when we were super oh, unrefined and like yeah, you know. I man, I, I'm still scared of that that sink, man. Who knows what's underneath there? You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you read those books? Hell yeah. Fuck oh yeah. my gosh, it's so Back, good. So long ago, obviously. And there was a a, um, a point and click game called um Really? Is, yeah, it was called Escape to Horrorland and Jeff Goldblum on the CD ROM game, Jeff Goldblum played Dracula. You didn't you didn't know about this? <laughs> no, I've never heard of that game. I thought you were gonna say something else about like a point and click game about goosebumps, but you said something else, and now well, I've not heard about that's it. Yeah, it's called Escape from Har Goosebumps Escape from Harland, and it's um about the book, obviously, and it's uh you know, it's it's a almost like a pastiche, like it 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 um fuses together a lot of the books, like this scarecrows that walk at midnight and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, 
all the kind of omnidirect I love that word omnidirectional yeah. uh, um, um, topics but also like entire different um, topics within those topics that I'm stoked really really stoked to to dive into with you onwards into the future so all right well enjoy watching um whatever uh i guess horror film that whatever <laughs> what's your what's your perfect fever horror, horror film for a fever like probably something. like the wicker the wicker man oh um, yeah <laughs> I, I put on midsummer last night just to yeah. like relax um yeah. and i would say i would say the wicker man is like it might be like my go-to comfort film like i, I love the yeah. um how the sabbats like are incorporated into that film um mm-hmm. it's like the beltane festival and like yeah. i'm super nerd about that like i read about that a lot so i fucking love um, beltane okay yes. you're making it i've got i technically have things to do but i seriously keep on wanting to fucking discuss i know like, yeah beltane and 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 sort of again paganism is huge for me um yes you know how it's funny like you were talking about with vermilion pulse is you took one thing which was this uh you know uh, this real, real world concept and then you, you you discovered that kind of playing on people's fears about it right yeah um it's funny like i i so with my stuff here my my patterns and stuff are based on um this concept in nature called morphogenesis which is um the the manner in which patterns are created um and so if you look at it like it's it's the explanation essentially for why if you look at, um, you know, cracks in the pavement and um, capillaries in your eyes and branches and uh, in trees and, and lightning, it all courses in this kind of similar way. And my notion is the idea that, well, obviously, and this is that putting your author cap on is like, that clearly means that there's like a tessellation, like a, a lattice work uh, right. along which along which existence grows like that is guided like every sentence that is said every story written every um everything is predetermined and that it goes along uh these invisible ley lines which i call like the ever shaping it's like and that's what all of my if you go to albuquerque.com like that all of my patterns are and i've always wanted exactly and that's just me doing this exploration and just finding that um you know uh metaphysical like art art within metaphysics and and finding that like what happens when you turn one sort of mind and uh you know person who's had their experiences and and has their predilections like if you turn that towards one concept and like what what happens there what's that what's the kind of creative and artistic alchemy that happens when Mm. you put those two together yeah and and what i really have always thought and this is i hope that doesn't indict me but i've always thought what if you found someone who was doing that and then they're a serial killer. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so someone, because this stuff here, I, I like that's called organopy, which means organic canopy. And, okay. and this one is um, based on forest detritus. So like um, branches and twigs, twigs, which is what like a lot of pagans do is they, um, to divine the future, they would like mix a couple of different, like, you know, rabbit guts and, um, uh, you know, raven beaks and, 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 uh, you know, acorns or whatever. And, 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 branches and twigs and they would sift it around and they would read the meaning of the cosmos in them you know mancy uh, geomancy right. um all kinds of mancies i guess um and i've always been super intrigued by that and um uh and palmistry and all of that like the the divining uh, the, basically i always find is most effective in horror is when the the the, the horror aspect the uh, the um the um the ruthlessness, the the completely maybe existentially terrifying, um, brutal 
stuff, that's all like the byproduct of one person's pursuit for making sense of the world. Mm. Uh, and which is a bit of, have you seen season one of True Detective, right? No, like, I haven't seen that show. No. Okay. Well, if I may, then I, I would highly recommend. Okay. Uh, please do. I'm so glad I was so close. Please, uh, you know, it's it's it went down its own path with the other seasons, but that first season, especially if you enjoy, I can't say anything. I mean, if I say anything, then you'll start thinking about it. And I know how you like to go in with nothing. So um, Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I won't say anything, but please, uh, it plays out like a long horror film. Um, it it uh, All I'll say is uh, some of what I've said about making sense of the world. I love the idea of... Um, these horrible cannibal killers, whatever, like it's these, these projects that they're creating these, uh, you know, even in, you've seen silence of the lambs, right? Yeah. You know, good. all of that horror and stuff. Uh, that's why psychology is so interesting. It's because it gives us this lens into like, Oh, well that person who's making like a, a suit of skin, like they're just trying to heal from this mother wound, you know? <laughs> right. And, and so that itself is, is really, really um, something to be, I think that's probably why in the podcasting sphere, at least some people do it pretty in a kind of hollow way. I, I, first of all, another thing I'll say, I don't know if you've ever gotten direct props for this, but I hope that I can be maybe an avatar of gratitude is you in your videos. You are at this register of voice when you speak instead of being up here and then, right? <laughs> which is yeah. the, which is the algorithmic, like the algorithmic kind of like what they're trying to generally people trying to shove you towards. And, I just find your really? actual like the, high, the higher stuff. Oh my god! And then you <laughs> mean look at look at like thumbnail conventions with the bulging eyes and all that. So I just want to say you're, that you're finding success and your community and people um, resonating and and forming. Um, um, and, and you can see with Row, which I'm so fucking stoked for you for. I think I've expressed that. You know, um, I just love that you have that integrity as a creator and that groundedness and and relatability. So, and folks, she did that with a fever. Three hours. <laughs> I'm serious. So anyway, um, I seriously, we could riff forever, but I'm conscious of your time. And, and like, let's let's definitely catch up like super soon. I have like all the links and stuff to send you and then I'll edit this one as well. Huh? For sure. This sounds right. good. Yeah. But this is this is phenomenal. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah. Um, thank you for expressing <laughs> all of all of those sentiments. Um, yeah, I mean, this it's is, my heart. yeah, this is just yeah like everything that we ran through i was like thoroughly interested in so okay thank you <laughs> all right well giant hugs great to meet you and let's hang out again soon okay <laughs> okay sure take That's it good. easy bye baby <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>